Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. everyone and welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN. It is Friday. Happy Friday to you. It's seven o'clock on Friday. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Brooke Grimsley is here smiling. Carrie Davis is here smiling. I'm Randy Carricker here smiling. We're just going to have a great day. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm Good. super excited. What? It's Friday. It's still hot outside and CD has a delicious treat. I am in a, in a great mood this morning. I got me a pumpkin spice latte. Oh, now. yes. Get my mind going in the right direction. Oh, God. And, and there Brooke, we go. Have you uh, partaken so far? I did. Of, I like it. Yesterday, I, now I know you don't like iced yeah, coffee, nah, CD, I but I, I, I like the, the iced concept, coffee. I don't like the concept. Yeah. It just throws me off. It, it feels like chocolate milk. Well, with cold brew, it's just like it's so intense and it just uh, gets you wired up. <laughs> yeah, the, and then you add the pumpkin it, spice. Maybe. Oh, man. Especially when it's like 100. I put it on Twitter or, oh, excuse me, X. Formerly known as Twitter, right. I keep I keep messing up. It'll with be that. Twitter the forever. social media, formerly known as Twitter. There we, we go. It, it's yeah, like Prince. it's going to be Heinz Field. Yeah, yeah. I, there you go. I put yeah, that on social media yeah. last oh, night, and sure. <laughs> and yeah. it was uh, it got an interesting reaction because a bunch of people sent me the weather, <laughs> and I'm like, no, I know, I know it's a hundred degrees, but it's pumpkin spice. Yeah, yeah, mine is hot. <laughs> Gotta run for shade. Too hot. Oh, you know what's coming. <laughs> yeah. So we go with iced coffee or a little latte or latte. something like that. Yeah. There we go. We're good. With oat milk. Yep. Oh, yes. Okay. That regular milk is bad for me. Yeah. Uh, here's what we got coming up on the... Uh, <laughs> on the, on the wait, what milk, milk is paper? Regular milk. Oh, so, oh, oh. okay. A little lactose intolerant oh, yeah, here. Buddy. Huh? All right. It'd be bad. Is that an age thing? Because I, I, so. I feel like as I've gotten older, I can't do well with regular yeah. milk either. If I we're just, just going to put it all out there. Just, I, I'm not going to throw the intolerant. I, I just can't stand it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will not tolerate it. <laughs> I, I couldn't tell you the last time I had a glass of milk. Now, chocolate milk, I'm cool. Yeah. Regular milk, no. It's it's all dairy for me. Okay. Yeah. Uh, here's what we got coming up on the, this uh, Friday edition of the program. As always, Jay Delsing will join us at the bottom of the hour. Uh, we've got the Ascension Charity Classic coming up in just a couple of weeks now, and our friend Nick uh, Ragone is going to join us here in studio, talk about the PGA Tour Championship as well, because there's a lot of action there. We'll have... Uh, 
Devin Kerr. He is going to be the analyst for tomorrow's City game in Orlando against, is it Orlando FC or S? Or Orlando, Orlando City. City. I th- think mm-hmm. they might have messed around and done FC. I got okay. to double okay. check that one. That's a very good question. But, and again, potentially the return of Santa. Oh, oh. Santa Claus. Yeah. Oh, man. Man of Back Glass returns. Yeah. And uh, then broad- <laughs> Cardinal broadcaster Chip Carey. Chip will join us from the city of brotherly love. He'll probably be going on his hot girl walk past the Liberty Bell this morning. Uh, and and uh, Orlando City is a uh, soccer club, not a football club. SC. Got it. Okay. Check. Uh, the Cardinals are in action tonight. They take on the Philadelphia Phillies. Six o'clock on Bally. Miles Michaelis will pitch for the Redbirds, and he'll be opposed by Christopher, with no H, Sanchez. The Philadelphia Phillies are right now doing great. They're, uh, in terms of the standings, they're leading the National League wildcard race. After a bad start, they spent the first half of the season without Bryce Harper. They're 69-58 and 58 on the season. They have a uh, two-and-a-half game lead in the wildcard race. And, guys, I, I really have a great deal of respect. You know, people talk about, got to spend more money, got to spend more money. Well, the there's a lot of teams that spent more money. The Yankees are terrible this year. The Mets are terrible this year. The Padres are middling at best this year. Philadelphia not only spent money, this is how you want to spend money. You want to spend money smart. They went out and got Zach Wheeler. He's their second highest paid player. He is a stud in the rotation. Uh, Only nine and six this year, but in 151 innings, he's taken the ball 25 times, has an earned run average of 3.7. And they built upon Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler. Nola drafted and developed. And this year, they signed Taiwan Walker. And I think a lot of us said, oh, okay, Taiwan Walker, he's been around. You know, it's he's, he, he's okay, a nice pickup. He's got a great name. Love the name, Taiwan Walker. But we weren't thinking, okay, he is a stud. Well, Taiwan Walker is 13-5. and five. He's given them 136 innings. He's taken the ball 25 times. Her has a higher run average of 4.02, which is not bad playing in that ballpark. So they effectively used money not only on Taiwan Walker in the starting rotation, but they also took a chance on Craig Kimbrell, who had struggled for a couple of years, gave him a, a deal to be their closer, and all Kimbrell has done is turn in a, a classic Kimbrell performance. 19 saves, earned run average 3.33. After losing Zach Eflin last year and not having a great closer situation, they have that this year. So I give Dave Dombrowski, who's one of my favorite general managers, a ton of credit for building this team. And what is Dave Dombrowski? He's old school. Mm. And this team is run in an old school manner. And it's not a surprise to me that they are where they are. And Brooke and Carrie, I will not be surprised if Philadelphia winds up in the World Series for the second straight year. Wow. That that would be interesting because it seems like once again, just like they did last year, they're getting hot at the right time. Mm-hmm. And with Bryce Harper, his return, that's really interesting. Maybe a little bit sooner, so hopefully everything with that will be okay. I know that they're primarily primarily just using him as their DH, but it seems like they're getting hot at the right time again. And with Aaron Nola, I think his addition and Zach Wheeler, you keep talking about with all these teams that seems like they have that two-headed monster. Phillies is exactly what you saw last season with that when you saw the Cardinals face them. I'm like, wow, that is exactly what you need for your team to be successful. My question is, do you think that the Phillies will try to keep Aaron Nola? I do. Yeah. That's just When you have an owner that says – We're going to go out and spend stupid money any year. And that's when they gave Harper the $330 million. But they're more than happy to go spend stupid money. And winning is quite a drug. So John Middleton, their owner, 
if they get back to the World Series again this year, whether they win it or not, I have to believe he'll say, okay, I want to take one more run with this group, and I would think NOLA will be a part of it. The other thing they did, by the way, at the trade deadline, every good team should do this. They added a pitcher. They added Michael Lorenzen. He threw a no-hitter for him. And so... Uh, they, they've got things going. Philadelphia is a really good team. A real muto behind the plate is an all-star. He's he's terrific. They moved Bryson Stott to second base when they signed Trey Turner, signed him to stupid money. Alec Bohm is fine at third. He's terrific. Brandon Marsh is a nice center fielder, although not as good as the guy they traded for him, Mickey Moniak. And then they've got Nick Castellanos and the uh, ubiquitous Kyle Schwarber. Every year, he he's just only, comes back and hits a bunch of home runs. I feel like he's like 45. He's only 30. He yeah, feels it, like he's been around amazing, for a long time. The, the, the Phillies are, have done a great job. I mean, you lose Reese Hopkins at the beginning of the mm-hmm. year. You thought that that was going to be a hit to them. Bryce Harper has the injury. You're like, oh, it's going to be really bad. No, nope, we're just going to let Bryce Harper play first base DH. We're going to let him do all of those things. And they haven't. They're starting to come back around. And as you said, they are a team, uh, especially at the top of their rotation with those three pitchers, um, probably going to make a run. And, and they did it last year. They mm-hmm. were they were down. They were stinking. They fired their manager. They had yeah. to start from scratch and, and clawed their way back and made it into the playoffs and made it to the World Series. So they have that uh, that knowledge that they're capable of doing it. See if they can do it again. And, Brooke, you hit the nail on the head. You start a playoff, doesn't matter who you have. If you're Atlanta and Max Freed is healthy and you got Strider and Freed at the top of your rotation, I still give – Philadelphia with Wheeler and Nola a chance to beat them, especially because of that Philadelphia offense. So they can beat anybody, including the Braves. Meanwhile, the Anaheim, Los Angeles, Angels of California. Yeah, uh, that team. Yeah, (laughs) America, USA. Uh, They've lost Shohei Otani as a pitcher for the year. He's going to have to undergo Tommy John surgery, but he was going to be the most exciting free agent in the history of baseball. Free agency started in 1976, and this was going to be the most fun free agency, better than Alex Rodriguez, better than Danny Jackson. Uh, It was going to be more fun. It was going to be more fun to watch the free agency of one Shohei Otani. It was going to be more exciting than watching the free agency of Wilson Contreras. It was going to be more fun than that. I don't know if that was as fun. Nothing against Wilson. I think it was, yeah. It was fun. There was a lot that happened. Everyone was so thrilled. It's amazing how the narrative can change in six months. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone was so excited when Wilson signed that contract when they knew he was going to be our new catcher. And it, it didn't even take three months, six months. It took about 30 that, days. Uh, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe 60. I don't know. It, it, it happened so fast where it flipped on Wilson, and it's not his fault. Yeah, it's no. not we his love fault you, Wilson. It's not. It, no. It's definitely not his fault. I do think that it was a little surprising. I think some people thought they would make some sort of addition pitching-wise during the free agency. So signing Wilson. Yeah. Moselock made it very clear that they were going to be pursuing a catcher. You got your catcher, and then it felt like it was kind of a waiting, like, oh, okay, is this is this going to be it for the offseason for the Cardinals? Oh, and it is, and that's nothing on him what's happened this season. It's just interesting how it all played out because now you're in this position where you know you can't have that repeat. You need to have some more pitching depth, but then you look at all these guys with Aaron Nola. Will he stay with the Phillies? Julio Urias, what, is he going to stay with the Dodgers? Most likely, Shohei Otani, that name's taken out, even though it would be nice. If the Cardinals get him, I know he has very high price, but he wouldn't be a part of that discussion. But even with Shohei out, that changes the right. discussions in free agency. So then you start to look at, well, what is exactly available that's going to fit the Cardinals' needs? 
yeah, it's going to be hard to find a number one. You're going to have to make a deal. Now, as far as Otani is concerned, how does this injury affect him in free agency? Jeff Passan of ESPN. Otani's market is going to be a little bit better than than people are thinking right now. So listen, I thought he was going to get 650, maybe more, if he was fully healthy. Now, uh, he's not going to get that. I mean, we're, we're talking a, a nine-figure loss. Uh, but is it going to dip below 500? I... People are telling me, in inside the industry, there are people who are telling me I'm crazy for thinking this. I just, I'm sorry, I can't look at Shohei Otani, even with question marks about his pitching, is anything less than a half-billion-dollar asset. Nine-figure loss, that would be... A hundred million. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, that's... <laughs> it's a lot Randy, of money. I, I can that stomach happens a, a couple lot of, of times and it starts to add up. <laughs> I can stomach a lot of things. Tearing my elbow up and losing a hundred million dollars, I would be knocking over everything mm. in the house <laughs> <laughs> with my good hand. Just, <laughs> ah! no, doubt. no doubt. Yeah, you don't tell anybody you're sore. No, you just, no. Oh, it's unbelievable. No. So uh, we'll keep an eye on on Shohei. And by the way, there is the possibility that he may not undergo Tommy John. I think that would affect his market value as well. One other thing. The NFL has cut back to uh, three preseason games for oh. most teams. There's a 3-0 and preseason team. Let's hear from their coach. <laughs> a 3-0 and preseason team, team uh, by the way, the only unbeaten team in their division now. You can't get enough of these opportunities in stadium. Uh, you work your tail off to simulate it in a practice setting. Um, but it's, it is what it is. And so we'll comb through it like we always do in an effort to get better. Um, and then we'll transition our attentions to, to the next component of this process, reducing our roster. And I, I don't really need validation. I just think it's difficult to box without sparring. And, and so, you know, preseason is an opportunity for us to spar and sharpen our sword for the battle. The Steelers <laughs> hammered the Falcons last night, 24 nil. How can you not love that? Hey, guy? I it's love difficult that. to box without sparring. You got to get ready, man, <laughs> yeah. for the fight. Yeah. He's telling you. Yeah, we 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 know what it is in Pittsburgh, man. We just you had to have a mindset that you were going to be more physical. It, the football aside, if you have a mindset that you are going to go into a game and punch people in the mouth for four quarters. You're probably going to come out as a victor. Like, it's just going to happen that way. Can't tell you how many times standing in the heat in Macomb, Illinois, and hearing Vermeil yell to his team, "You can't ease into a street fight, no. gentlemen. You can't ease into a street <laughs> fight. You'll get knocked out. You got to get right into it." I love Tomlin, and by the way, Tomlin giving us an "It is what it is." And so, yes. how about that? It's, how about it's that? always it is what it is. So tomorrow night, Hazelwood that? Central opens up <laughs> opens up their season against Luther we North do. over at, at Mobap. Yes. How much of what head coach Kerry Davis is head coach did you take from Coach T? Um, I mean, I, I've got a lot of sayings, some things that he says. One one saying that he has, you know, when practice, he's, he'd rather say woe than sick him, uh, <laughs> which is talking to your guys. I, I don't want to say have guys that I got to tell them to go get after it. I need guys that I got to tell, whoa, 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 slow down. Uh-huh. Um, so that's him. You know, it's just the mindset of we don't care about all the excuses Get the damn job done. That's at the end of the day. Get the job and done. That's a Tony Dungy. He's a Tony Dungy yeah. disciple, right? It doesn't matter how you got it done. Do it the right way. Do it the way you're coached to do it. But at the end of the day, get the job done, and we'll all be better for it. Yeah. And did you, you and Anthony have a, a bet last night on that Falcon Steelers preseason game? We did not. We should have. Yeah, twenty four nil. Yeah, well, preseason's always tough, though. You know. The degenerates don't care. Thompson no. will, Brad Thompson will bet on, <laughs> on the preseason game a blink.
Yeah, he'll 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 know the line on every preseason, preseason game. game. That, that that is. I guess I'm not that bad. Uh, Kenny Pickett, four hundred four for eighty six yards. He was pretty good. Mitch Trubisky. This, what a depth chart they have at quarterback for the Steelers. Ah. Trubisky, seven of nine for fifty four, and then uh, Mason Rudolph comes on. Mason Rudolph. He's plugging away. Yeah, he is. It's unbelievable. It's holding on to that career. He was outstanding he's, job. It's unbelievable. I it forgot really he was is. still around oh. until we mentioned it the there. other day. He's still there. Yeah. He's fighting. We, we, we got that for him. How long? Let's see how long he's been around. He's only been in the league four years. It Why seems does it like feel longer. so long? I think it was COVID. The year he got hit in the head with a helmet was the year before COVID. I right, right. 2019. He's played 17 games. Pretty amazing. So there you have it. We're off and running here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. You can watch us today, by the way, on the YouTube. Just go to YouTube.com and type in 101 ESPN STL. You can watch us on the YouTube. Of course, you can always listen on the app if you don't have access to a radio or a, a device where you can watch us. So you can consume the opening drive anywhere you want. Coming up, we've got our bird watch here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. This is Bird Watch on the opening drive. Watch for you guys, I, and I, it's not really a bird drop. Yeah, there you go. It's it's nice, uh, but one of the things that has happened, it's kind of weird. The divergent paths the Phillies and Cardinals have taken since that playoff series, the, the best of three that the Phillies won last year in two games. Since then, Philadelphia has been able to maintain. They've suffered injuries. They've suffered setbacks. We mentioned the loss of Bryce Harper and Reese Hoskins Harper for the first half of the season. Yet here's Philadelphia, fifth in the league in runs per game. They're fourth in earned run average. They've built a bullpen. They, they still have Sir Anthony Dominguez, who was their closer last year, and they add Kimbrell to the mix. They've got a deep bullpen. They've got one of the deepest starting rotations in the National League with Wheeler, Nola, Walker and now adding Michael Lorenz into that mix. Meanwhile, the Cardinals have fallen back. They're a different-looking team completely than the one Philadelphia saw in the playoffs last year. Cardinals are middle of the pack, 7th in the league in runs per game, 12th in ERA. And we're at a point now where I don't even look at the numbers for the Cardinals anymore. It doesn't matter. I mean, they've cashed in. Why shouldn't I? So I just look at how different these two teams are and how dramatic that Ryan Helsley finger injury changed mm-hmm. the fortunes of these two teams. Well, not just that, but there were so many other things that factored into it. You had the offense seemingly just cool off around yeah. that time, too. Except remember, Yepes. Well, and Yepes. Right. But Albert Pujols, yeah. Yadier Molina, remember they came up big in those games. Mm-hmm. And then you also had, but Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt, not being able to capitalize in those key moments towards the end there. And then you had Jose Quintana getting pulled early. I mean, there were so many different things that led to that. And Bro, on top of that, the Ryan with Jose Helsley. Quintana being pulled? I, I don't know. Maybe because he's a good. Huge problem with it. <laughs> Why not? What are, what are Just, we doing here? What are we I think. Doing? See, yeah, I think that's exactly how everybody felt when they saw that moment, right? Yes. Is that what uh, everybody felt when you saw that happening? Well, I you think know, you felt it after you saw what yeah. happened next. Of course. Yeah. Yes. Um, in the moment, you might have been oh, okay. By the way, if you were indisposed at that time, maybe you were in a coma. It happens to people now and then. <laughs> uh, Jose Quintana goes five and a third. He allows two hits. Walked one and struck out three. And he, by the way, had been great for the Cardinals since they got him from Pittsburgh. There was no reason to believe that Quintana was not going to pitch well for the Cardinals. In that time uh, with the Cardinals, he had a 2.01 earned run average. 
in uh, in a dozen starts. So there was no reason to believe that he wouldn't continue to pitch well, except for the spreadsheet telling me that I can't have a guy go a third time through the lineup. No, oh, that pesky spreadsheet. Well, sometimes a, you got to go with your gut, D. Randy. I, I had a manager tell me one time recently. He said, well, our eyes were telling us that he was really slowing down. And I said, was it the velo? No. Was it the breaking stuff? No. Well, what were you seeing? Blank stare. <laughs> <laughs> Something. It's always wonderful yeah. when you ask questions and they don't have answers. Yeah. Yeah. It's it just happens. that gut instinct. Yeah. Well, guys, my bird watch... Is going to be Thomas J.C. Last night, another another great performance for him. Yeah, let's clap. Let's clap mm-hmm. for Thomas J.C. He's with Springfield right now, by the way. Two for four night for him with a home run and three RBIs. Now, it's really interesting because the numbers, I'm going to tell you guys, if you look overall at his minor league season right now, he's done fantastic, but or he's been fantastic. How about that? Oh, how about, how about oh, that? Bookbinder, thank you. But Specifically, since he's come over the Cardinals in 21 games with Springfield. So, JC, by the way, he's ranked ninth among Cardinals prospects on Major League Baseball Pipeline, is batting 354 with an OPS over 1,000, has hit his seventh home run that was last night, mind you, with the Springfield Cardinals. And he has 16 RBIs. And he also had that amazing game that we talked about on August 19th, where he hit for the cycle, collected four RBIs. Guys, I just think it's really interesting to see because Springfield is unlikely to reach the playoffs if anybody cares about that. I wonder if you move him up to AAA soon. I think the sooner the better because <clears throat> why not, right? Maybe this weekend? I don't know because Thomas to is doing all the right things. Can I go back it, here? Yeah. He, he hit for the cycle? How about that? Oh, mm. yes. We heard that, that call. That's am- where that call comes hey, from, by the way, oh, if, you don't, if you're unfamiliar with How that. How about that? <laughs> How about that? But does he also, I'm going to pose this question to you guys, does it make you feel maybe a little bit better because you have all that depth with that middle infield mix right now, that competition going on with the guys who are here, knowing that Thomas J.C. is another player that's possibly on the way, does it make you feel a little bit more comfortable with moving on from a Nolan Gorman, Brendan Donovan, Tommy Edmond, or somebody like that? I would feel more comfortable if Tommy Edmond was playing second base every day. That's I would, too. But I'd be more comfortable mm-hmm. with. I, I just, just because he's won a gold glove there, I don't know. I think that's kind of important. But to answer the question, should he be moved up to Memphis? Absolutely. He does. Yes. Yeah. He, he's... Uh, he's reached the point now with the performance of the last couple of weeks since he really got to Springfield. What can he show you at AA that he hasn't already have shown you? I have no idea. And just go ahead and, and bring him up. Maybe they're just waiting till the end of Springfield season because he's been on the move. But as I mentioned, in those 21 games of Springfield, if you look at his overall stats, he's he's doing so well. But just specifically the way that he's been able to continue to do that in his move since the trade deadline, I just think that that says a lot. Why not just give him the chance to move up to AAA? Sooner um, the better, in my opinion. Yeah. How many and, games and, do they have left? Memphis uh, or Springfield? Both. Springfield? Yeah. Memphis plays, uh, I think they everybody have... plays through the end of September now. Oh, well, yeah. he's got time. Yeah, so they, they can do it. What month are we in? Oh, it's about to be September. Uh, this is yeah, August. Yeah, <laughs> your, your season starts <laughs> yeah. tomorrow. Listen, when we get to, I, I don't know dates or days, I just know who we play. <laughs> playing two days, playing Classic five days, and we play tomorrow. Okay. Yep. Uh, all right. 
You looking it up? You find it? No. Nope. Oh, the schedule? Yeah, I'm trying to. It's, okay. Sorry, it's taking, it's taking a minute, CD. I'm so worried. it's fine. So my bird watching, we will have, I will repeat this at some point, probably at the end of the season, but I got my eyes solely on, well, I got one eye on John Mosellock and the other eye on Bill <laughs> DeWitt. I'm looking at those two mm. in particular. I want to see what they decide to do in this offseason, how they decide to spend money, where they decide to spend money, how they allocate funds. I'm thinking about this pitcher situation, and, and we always are you, – you just never know. You, you just saw with, with Shohei Otani going down with the Tommy John – uh, Steven Strasburg just retired yesterday. He was, I mean, in his career, he's been one of the top pitchers. Great, great pitcher, but always often injured. I remember a few years back where they shut him down with still time left in the season, mm-hmm. and they had a chance to make the playoffs or make a playoff run, and they shut him down. You never know with pitching. You, you just never know. You don't know if it's going to be a shoulder, if it's going to be an elbow. It, it, there is no rhyme or reason for if or when a guy is going to get hurt, but that cannot deter you from making the decision to go get one of those guys because if they are healthy it changes the landscape of everything you do going forward if they get hurt which maybe they will maybe you'll have your center fielder turn his ankle in the the batter's box who the heck knows (laughs) nobody knows if anyone is going to get injured but you cannot let that deter you from going to get one of those guys this offseason Via free agency or via trade, it has to happen for the Cardinals, and I am looking at John Mosellock, Bill DeWitt, to make sure that that is done. I don't think I, – I do think a lot of teams – Cardinals aren't unique here. They look at past experiences with free agents and get scared, and they, they go into the process with fear. I think this is one situation where the Cardinals need to just avoid fear and, and jump in with both feet because yeah. right now – is this year was the time and next year is the time. You aren't going to have Arenado and Goldie for no. much longer, no. right? And Wilson Contreras, he's in his 30s, so whether he's catching or DHing, he's not going to be great for you for very long. And you need to take advantage of the, the Hall of Fame quality talent that you have on this team. Well, and also the young athletes, the importance, and CD, you know this, for them to be around a winning culture. You know, that's going to be very important for them to understand that and understand taking that from the leaders, seeing how the leaders handle the situation, getting deeper into October. I think that's very important for those younger players to pick up, too, just so that they can continue that tradition whenever you have Nolan Arnauto leaving and Paul Goldschmidt. That, that's one of the main things. That that was one of the main reasons why I wanted Jordan Walker here sooner because him and Mason went because you need to be able to learn from guys that have done it for a career and had, had yeah. have had great success in their career. Gold gloves, MVP, MVP candidates. Those guys know exactly what it takes to be uh, great baseball players. Now, you couple that with guys that know how to win championships or have had won championships, you got a baseball team, but until until they all are are working cohesively together, uh, we're gonna see, and and that's that's everyone included, front office all the way down. Everyone has to be on the same page and thinking the same thing about how they're gonna go about the game. That's your bird watch here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, the PGA Tour Championship is underway at East Lake in Atlanta. Who's gonna win? Jay Delsing is going to tell us next on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Heckman Lumber. 
Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, trex, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber is an authorized Yeti dealer and also stocks a large assortment of grills, so celebrate summer with a new big green egg, Weber gas, or charcoal grill, and all of the accessories from Hackman Lumber. Come visit their showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Okay, here's my reasoning. Back in 1987, the St. Louis Cardinals drafted a pitcher from Georgia, who also, by the way, was the punter for the Georgia Bulldogs football team. Uh, That pitcher's name that the Cardinals drafted in 1987 was Chris Carpenter, C-R-I-S, Chris Carpenter. He wound up pitching five years for the Cardinals. He went 21-15 and 15 with a 3.66. Not to be confused with Chris, C-H-R-I-S, Carpenter. Get you who, a foul guy. Yeah, who uh, Chris, uh, C-H-R-I-S, was uh, just a tough, rugged, lovable, big old bear of a guy who wound up in the postseason for your St. Louis Cardinals being pretty good. And he was not ever to be confused with uh, the other Chris Carpenter. Uh, our Chris Carpenter, the CH, 10-4 and four with a 3.00 earned run average in postseason action uh, for the Cardinals. So uh, always go with the, the Chris with the CH. Sorry about that. Chris is without an H. Uh, we go to the celebrity line, and our friend Jay Delsing joins us now on 101 ESPN. Good morning, Jay. What would you think of that little history lesson? Uh, I'm glad there's not a lot of Delsings around. I don't know how you would explain how to, where my name came from. That's perfect. <laughs> All right. Tour championship is underway. I really enjoy it. We, we really haven't talked about this during the course of the season. But on the PGA Tour page, when you get the go to the stats and the scores for a particular day, they've got the odds to win right there on the page. And right now, Colin Morikawa is at plus 550, but Hovland is at plus 350 and Scheffler at plus 300. So those are the three favorites. Who do you think is going to win this thing? Boy, I tell you, the way Victor Hovland closed last uh, uh, in at Olympia Fields was incredible. I really haven't seen him. Now, he's won five tournaments on the PGA Tour, but I've never seen him really go on a run like that before. And it was impressive. Um, I, I, I'm going to say that it's, I want Colin to win because I'm a little pro red, white, and blue. And, we're, you know, we're getting to that mm-hmm. part in time of the year when the Ryder Cup is going to be out. I, you know, Scotty Scheffler, you know, makes a triple bogey yesterday. This guy has been playing such good golf, but just cannot quite get across the finish line. So even though he started at 10 under par, which is a whole I, – I I'd love to get your guys' opinion on that. I just can't get my hands around that system, that, that weighted system, and I totally understand why they're doing it. But to have somebody start, you know, so far ahead of the pack seems – kind of crazy i love the out of the box thinking and rewarding the people that were successful all season long and that's what they're trying to do and i totally get that i mean scotty sheffler has look at how huge his point lead was um up until the last event and and the the 
the, the points are quadrupled for that last event. So, I mean, he has played the most consistent golf of anybody uh, all year long. So I don't have any problem with him um, having that big a lead. But there's got to be some other way to do it. I'm just not smart enough to try, try to figure out what that is. I know what it is. I know exactly what it is. Whatever his home course is, make it just like any other playoff. Give the guy that's best during the season home course advantage. Wow. I don't know if Coca-Cola would like, where the hell Scotty? She's from Dallas. That's, yeah, that's I don't know point. if they'd like to move everything over there. You know, we follow the money on the PGA Tour because we're going to be probably playing in this thing in Saudi Arabia in a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, you're exactly right. <laughs> Jay, you talked about Scotty Scheffler going uh, triple bogey on a, on a par three. For me, I mean, that's a good day at the office. For you, though, or someone <laughs> like him, when you are, what's the worst you've ever shot on a hole? And, and how, <laughs> when you get to that point, how frustrating is it and what are you saying to yourself okay so my rookie year on tour we my my friend steve payton i went to college together at ucla and we he wound up finishing dead last in a tournament on the pga (laughs) tour and we had a title for that cup okay we had a title for that cup and i was giving him i was oh just i was all (laughs) over him about that so we fast forward about a month later and i'm we're playing down at the honda down in Fort Lauderdale. And there was a guy on tour. He's one, gosh, the guy could not, he could barely see. His name was Jim Simons. If you look him up, he wore Coke bottles, sort of glasses, but was a damn good player. He won three or four times on the PGA Tour. But I'm battling for this cup because I'm, I've made the cut, but I'm off the back nine on Sunday and, you know, first. And so the whole tournament's happening on the front and you're playing on the on the. I mean, the whole tournament is happening and concluding on the back nine, and you're wrapping up your round on the front nine. Mm. There's nobody watching you. It's a bad feeling. <laughs> and I've got about a three-stroke lead over Jim, and we're coming down to the eighth hole. It's about a 210-yard par three with water everywhere. And all I can think of is I'm not losing this thing, and I'm not going So I take extra club, and my ball flies and buries in the back sand trap. Now there's water in the front edge of the green. So I go from in the sand trap, into the front water, go back to the tee. Anyway, I made double digits. I made like a 10. Oh, yeah. Almost ran out of balls. Yeah. And I got the cup. I got the cup. And guess who was waiting for me at my locker when I got in? Your teammate. Oh, yeah. I deserved it. I deserved it. I wrote him hard, and he's like, how's it feel? I'm like, yeah, I should have been a little nicer to you. Yeah, I'm really proud of you. That's great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a great story. Well, Jay, I know that we talked about last week about Zach Johnson and the decisions he's going to have to make. What are your thoughts on Brooks Kepka possibly being a part of the Ryder Cup team? I think he's got to get it. I, I really do. I, um, I, I think it, it made for such interesting uh, conversation for him to just get nudged out. You know, he winds up finishing just out of the automatic qualifying bursts. And, but, I mean, the guy, he, he's really the only, the only live player that I think will um, be be on the team. I, I, I really think at the end of the day, these guys will put the red, white, and blue first and put the best team out there. And I really think Brooks is going to have to be on there. And I, I uh, Brooks is a strange guy, but I think he's um, – I, I really think Zach's going to pick him. Now, what's interesting, guys, is that for the European side, Sergio Garcia, Lee Westwood, Ian Poulter – Paul Casey, four pretty big names. Those guys have withdrawn their membership from the DP World Tour, so they are ineligible. So they can't be put on the team if they wanted to. And there's a quirky 
loophole in the um, with the PGA of America that owns the Ryder Cup franchise. And our players are allowed to play um, because they did not um, uh, forego their, their PGA of America membership. So I, I think the only other one I would probably consider would be Bryson DeChambeau. And I just think he's too volatile. The way he plays is too volatile. He plays a golf ball, you guys, that doesn't spin very much. And there's only three other guys on the PGA Tour that play that ball. So bringing Bryson in, regardless of the talent, I think it's just going to be too much. So I really think Brooks is going to make it, and um, we're going to have a we're going to have a, a, a hell of a match here in, in Italy. And guys, one of the things that's cool about golf, if you remember when the Dream Team went to Europe up to the Olympics for the very first time, it was Bird, it was Jordan, it was Magic, it was all of the studs of the NBA. They sowed seeds for the game of basketball in Europe that we're seeing, you know, 35, 40 years later. Now, I think, Kerry, you're more in the baskets than I am, but I think about 30% of the league comes from Europe now. And what those guys from Europe seem to do well is exactly what Bird and Magic, they passed the ball well. They're really strong fundamentally where we're kind of more dunkers and and like to shoot three-pointers. So, this is going to – the fact that we're playing this in Italy, you guys, would have never happened. You know, it, it, it took it took this much time to get, you know, Italy in this uh, rotation. And I'm sorry for the long answer, but I, I think it's kind of exciting for a, a golf geek like me to, to get to grow the game like that. No, it is, it's very interesting. I just wanted to ask you one more thing. So Tiger Woods, as we know, hasn't been on the golf course since the 2023 Masters, but Rory McIlroy talked about the other day about his presence and how he's been a part of the PGA Tour policy board. What is it like having Tiger Woods, you think, being a part of that and be a voice and advocate for the PGA Tour players? Well, Brooke, I think it's Jay Monahan trying to save his job. <laughs> I think he needed a massive massive head on the mantle and you couldn't get big, bigger and more influential than tiger. Um, I, I just don't know. I mean, those, um, you know, the, the, here's, here's why Tiger's interested because you're going to start disrespecting and making the things that he holds dear to him, dearest to him, irrelevant. And I mean, his, his, his legacy, his, his, his 82 wins, his 15 major championships and everything. If you start letting, the 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 live golf get too crazy and i think you know you're going to get him really interested you're going to try to offer him money and he won't even respond i mean it's amazing how quiet tiger has been through all of this stuff and and you know he's watching it and so he's extremely disciplined and he's really really focused he's really really focused on that sort of stuff so i think it's a big i think it's a big deal um anything tiger does for us Brooke is a big deal because what, what did Roger Maltby say? He doesn't move the needle. He is the needle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The guy, the guy pokes his head out the window and he winds up winning the, um, that stupid player fund that they have on <laughs> social media, you know, because he's got so many followers and so influential. Jay, we forgive you if uh, two weeks from today you don't join us because that will be the opening day of the Ascension Charity Classic. And you and uh, Nick Rigone are both going to be on the 101 on Sports on Fox 2 with me on Sunday night. But I I want you to tell people, I I asked you, who's the guy to beat? If you're in the hunt on Sunday, who do you think you're going to be chasing or holding off? Oh, man, I'd love to say me, but I wouldn't. I'm not going to say that. I've already got you in the hunt. So who who are you trying to beat or who are you trying to fend off? I'm going to say it's it's probably going to be Ernie Els or uh, Bernard Langer. I think um, 
I think we've we've got a problem with this Ryder Cup, and I think um, Steve Stricker's not going to be able to come now because of some uh, trip to Italy that they're making, and so Davis Love's not going to be able to come as well. So that that kind of sucks. And Padraig Harrington is playing in the Irish Open, so I'm going to say it's going to be Ernie or uh, or Bernard Langer. All right, sounds good. And who do you have on the show on Sunday? For those that aren't aware, it's ten to or eight to ten now on Sunday mornings. Golf with Jay Delsing. Who do you got? We told we tell everybody if the preacher's sermon doesn't put you down, come to golf with Jay Delsing. Where two hours will knock you right out. It'll put, it'll put you right to sleep. We've got Bob Herrick, who's a longtime writer for SI Sports and a, and a really good guy, and then uh, Luke Donald, who is the uh, the captain of the Euro- European side, and. Um, Really, really interesting, uh, nice guy. Uh, English, so it's a, a little bit different. But um, he he didn't want to take any questions involving live, which I only had eight or ten. That I <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll be tuned in. We always love having you on the show. Thank you, Jay, and we'll talk to you soon. Have a great weekend, guys. Thank you. you. That's our buddy Jay Delsing on 101 ESPN Golf with Jay Delsing, 8 to 10 on Sunday morning. And Jay will be in the field two weeks from today at the Ascension Charity Classic. Tickets available at ascensioncharityclassic.com. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646, 314-399-YO-HO. Tioli, take it or leave it next. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Want to put it out there? If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646. And give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. Time for Teoli on 101 ESPN. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO. Okay, kids. How about this? Netflix outbid Amazon and ESPN for the rights to a 10-part Jerry Jones docuseries. Take it or leave it. If it doesn't include Jones screwing over St. Louis, it'll be the worst sports documentary ever. Oh, I, I'm going to take or it. Or even if I... it does. Uh, I'm, 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 uh, it might even be longer than his Hall of Fame acceptance speech. I, what I need to see is they have to have the, the White House on there, right? Yes, they yeah. do. Yeah. You got the White House on there. Then. Yeah. He purchased I'm the White in. House. Yeah. Did he? Yeah, no he, was, he was behind that. Yeah, no way. Uh, I, I need to know. I need to know the inner yeah. workings. Maybe not. Uh, you know what? I'll take that back. There's no such thing as a White House. Didn't happen. It happened. <laughs> I think the thing that just throws me off sometimes, and I get it with documentaries, it's going to be in the way of where you're telling somebody's story, so it's going to be a little biased. Mm-hmm. But after watching that Johnny Menzel documentary on Netflix, and there's a couple of others as well. I know that the Florida Gators one just came out. I can't remember oh, what it is. Swamp, but something swamp. I've heard swamp that it's something. it's not what you expect it to be in a lot of ways. My whole thing is. It, it feels a little just one-sided where you're maybe not telling the full story yeah. of things. Because after I watched the Johnny Manziel documentary, my whole thing was like, well, that's it? So what 
what is he doing now? Like, right. what <laughs> did he learn anything from this? Like, what what is the final result? Oh, he just lives in a house <laughs> in Arizona and still parties. Oh, okay, that's. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes that's it. Yeah, sometimes there is that's, no. That's the rest story of the story. To, to be told. It's so, just, that's it. Before right. the, the Rams left, there was a dog and pony show over at the Stiefel Theater. And they held a, a quote-unquote town, town hall meeting. And I had the great good fortune to speak. And I had printed out photos of all the other owners. You couldn't find one of Stan Kroenke. Doing great philanthropic things in their communities. Either receiving awards or giving things to, to people, underprivileged people. And so I, I hold up these printed sheets. And Eric Grubin from the NFL came up and, for whatever reason, brought me up on stage after this dog and pony show was over. And I tried to hand him the pictures, and he wouldn't take them. But the picture that I had of Jerry Jones was him with a couple of hookers. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was going to say, Randy, you, brought, you, you, brought up, you brought up, you know, Jerry Jones, you know, oh. philanthropic. Yeah, you, you brought up Jerry Jones. Screw, yeah. You brought up Jerry Jones screwing over certain people. I just thought it was going to be Randy, a different group that the that documentary hurt. would focus on. That's so crafty of you to do that, it's, though. It's, oh, he was putting people through school. There you go. You know? Yep. And then it matter how you do it, as long as you yeah, do it, right? right? Yeah. There you go. So, yeah. but the NFL unfortunately wouldn't take they, my. They didn't like that. And they John Kioski paid for it. He knows now. <laughs> that's he, amazing. He paid for those full color photos. <laughs> that's hilarious. That's, a, that's incredible. So. Oh, we're looking at Sports Center right now, or not ESPN, Sports Center, whatever. Uh, will Sean Payton bench Russell Wilson if he struggles earlier? I'm going to take it a step further. We'll take it or leave it. If Russell Wilson struggles this year, this will be his last year as a starting quarterback in the NFL. Ooh, Ooh I like this, and I'm going to take that. I'm going to take it, too. I feel like Sean Payton was kind of like the last Hail Mary yeah. in a lot of ways with this whole Russell Wilson situation because he's supposed to be the quarterback guru. If it's not good this year. He's he's making he's on his second year of a five year two hundred forty two million dollar contract. Uh-huh. If it's not good this year, they're going to cut bait and cut ties and, and just he say turns thirty five in November. Yeah, Ooh. this is one reason why Sean Payton the Broncos should go after Trey Lance. Hmm. No. Yeah. If I'm if I'm Sean Payton, I almost if Russell Wilson's struggling, I let him struggle because there's a man in USC, Caleb Williams, mm. that you want. To draft if you have the first overall pick. And yeah, you but you have to be worse than the Arizona Cardinals this year. They're not going for a quarterback. Yes, they are. No. That, uh, they, they paid Kyler Murray. The Broncos paid Russell Wilson. Yeah, but <laughs> Kyler is younger. He's got a little bit more. New coach. New coach. Yeah, they, 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 that new coach doesn't want. Nobody there wants anything to do with Kyler Murray. Nah. Nobody. They, they they think that Kyler Murray is immature. They don't think he's that good, and they, th- they think he's too little. Well, they paid him. <laughs> well, the, the, the money, the, the contracts that Wilson and Murray signed were the They're exact same time and the yeah. exact same deal. Yeah. yeah. But Murray is a lot and younger. The, here's the and, other, and he's going to miss a half of the most of the year this year. So, you wouldn't be able to uh, make that decision based off of if, six games. And but decide if you're we're the Arizona Cardinals, though, if you're the Arizona Cardinals and you have the first pick in the draft, how do you not take Caleb Williams? Yeah, they. I, I doubt that they do. They would probably trade it away to the Broncos for a haul, but they wouldn't. I don't think that they would go get a quarterback in this situation. I not think the they not the not the Cardinals, I think but they the Broncos. Should. Broncos, yeah. If he struggles, yes. Take it or leave it, guys. This is more of a fantasy one that I, I thought about the other day because I highly doubt that this happened. Were you just driving around thinking, thinking this about fantasy this. thing? Yeah, this fantasy okay. thing. Okay. Uh, take it or leave it, <laughs> maybe. Yadier Molina will be hired by the Cardinals organization first rather than Joe Madden. Ooh, okay. I will take that. Yes. Ooh. I, 
I will. Before, but yeah. Because, that's, because, that's because Randy because, always likes to bring yeah. up Joe Madden as a possibility for the Cardinals organization. This is because Joe Madden never gets hired by the Cardinals. Well, also, Yachty could be hired as something other than the manager, right? If you're willing it to could. pay him multi-million dollars. Yeah, but Joe Madden wouldn't no. be a third base coach. No, he would not. Well, no, I, I think Yachty wants to be the manager. Yeah, I'm yes. sure. Yeah. But if he were to be hired, I... I, I if he were to be hired in another position and paid well, see that before I can see Joe Madden. Here's the thing, though. Can you, presuming Ali Marmol is your manager, can you pay Yadier Molina five or six million dollars to be a coach and your manager a million and a half? No. No, no, it would look it That's would look weird. Great. No, that 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 won't fly. And if you're Yadi, why would you bother unless you're getting some serious cheddar out of it? Yeah. No, I, I think it's interesting. I think it's going to take maybe he's enjoying retirement, but it will take him a while to get away from Puerto Rico. He has his basketball team that he I has down thinking, there. Could you yeah. imagine him being the manager and having to go watch his oh, basketball no. team in the finals? <laughs> I gotta go. I be back. Oh no! So I have a coaching staff. <laughs> you guys just take it over Yachty. for a little bit. I got a good basketball team to take care of. You see, Yadi just like take a bat to like a water cool in the middle of the game. It's like the Cardinals are up eight to nothing. What happened? We got a phone call that his basketball team <laughs> lost. Yeah, he's not missing gotcha, basketball. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. What text do we have, Matthew? Uh, I just have to read this one. Take it or leave it. You guys will never talk about Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Take it. This is from somebody who's texted <laughs> in about Yoshinobu did. Yamamoto. We just did yeah. it. Every yeah. now. single. There you go. Yep. Uh, you're, I will, you're welcome. Yeah, I, I refuse. I haven't seen him pitch. I know that he is not going to be a number one for the Cardinals at the beginning of next year or Randy, whomever he signs with. This texter said that he should be a stub and should be a stud and probably cheaper than the other guys. Okay. Thank you. Uh, no, sure, well, the should. luxury tax, right? Yeah, well, that's part of it. Yeah. But it's you, Darvish, has been great, okay? Hideki Arabu was not. Hideki Arabu was supposed to be the uh, the Japanese Roger Clemens. Didn't wind up being that way. Daisuke had one decent year when he came over here. Uh, Hideo Nomo was, he's all right, he's okay, but it's just such a different element when you leave Japan, where you've pitched with six-man rotations and come here and pitch in a five-man rotation. It's very difficult for a guy like Yamamoto to be what he is. And the the, the unicorn, obviously, is Shohei Otani. He's he's completely different than anybody we've ever seen. But no, there there are not Shohei Otani's just floating around starting rotations in Japan right now. Why not? Why not use a six man rotation? Then you can might, maybe use uh, pitchers for more than six innings. Yeah, I'd like to see it. I think it'd be intriguing. I, I, I think it'd be expensive because starting pitchers make a lot of money. And if you have a really good one, he wants to pitch every fifth day, and you want him to pitch every fifth day. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this one's mean, but we read it anyway. Okay. Take it or leave it. There's nothing more that I want to learn about Jerry Jones until I read his obituary. Uh, I'll oh. take that. Yep. I'll take it. Mm-hmm. Also, take it or leave it. You guys missed miss my crafty joke earlier when I said crafty. Robert Kraft. Oh. 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 I, did miss that. oh. I was waiting. I was I waiting did. for it to hit. I did miss it. Dang, I did miss that. That went over my head. Apologies. Yeah. Mm. It's okay. <laughs> Sorry. I just have to. I have to you can't gonna, always have happy endings. I'm gonna yeah. make an. I'm, 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 I'm gonna make an edge. All right, we got that one. That was, yeah. that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna edit this one on the fly and then tell you why it's funny. Uh, take it or leave it. A non-SEC school wins the college football national championship. Leave that. Come on. Non-SEC school. So we're talking. Well, 
Well, I wonder what conference carry might go with. Well, uh, Ohio State, Michigan. Oh, shocker! Yeah. But I'm thinking, <laughs> I, honestly, honestly, Texas was playing really well versus Bama last year until their quarterback got hurt. Yeah. That was a game, and Texas and uh, Bama barely got out of there with a win there. They play uh, early to start the season, maybe first or second game of the year. Yeah, Marshall Darius hit Cole. They are – that's going to – no, that's not uh, – Different game? Uh, yeah, different oh, game. Okay. Um, um, but they are going to be – I think Texas might be a team to look out for if they get past Bama to start that game, that season off. You know, last year, uh, the, the SEC got a run for its money in the championship game. It was only 65-7 to 7, uh, oh. against TCU. That's, that's uh, the year before great. that, two SEC teams played in the Final Four, and it was – I, I know it was rugged for the SEC that year. It was oh. it was it was really tough, but you know, uh, they just they had to deal with it. And fortunately for the SEC, they were able to to come through in those two games uh, with uh, Georgia beating Michigan thirty four to eleven and Alabama beating Cincinnati twenty seven to six. So uh, yeah, I, I, the SEC. I mean, they they've got difficulty. Anything's possible. Yeah, they, they, yes. yeah. It's 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 really it hard for the SEC more. to win these things. Also, this text is great because apparently we got it sent from 2013. Because this person, the actual uh, text read, uh, "Take it or leave it." A non-SEC school wins the BCS championship. Oh yeah, well, yeah yeah. Texas lost to Bama last year, 20 to 19, and their quarterback got hurt. So yeah, I think and Bama was they had a down year. Yeah, by Bama standards. I think yes. that Texas, if they uh, they play well, they could uh, have a chance there. Yeah, well, they better change things up a little bit. Yeah, what's wrong? We got one more. We got an oh no. I no, like oh no. It's, it's it's not a take it or leave it. Somebody just texted and I want to fight Randy and I don't even need the options. And I was like, you wanna? Ooh. You really want to do that on fella? a Friday? You really want to do that it's fella? It's gonna be bad. It's gonna be one of those guys or gals that just answers whatever. Why would you not want the options? Why would you subject yourself to that? I don't know. This you guy made the a, options today. This Randy. guy made a joke yesterday about me making my bed, so I'm thinking I might, I might take him up on this offer. Take him no. up. That's fine. There What's you his go. name? I don't have it yet. Yeah, okay. uh, Kyle, apparently, if I'm late, if, right, if the previous tweets are uh, uh, accurate. Looking forward to that. Uh, thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, we are going to uh, get to your fresh take. The Cardinals are, uh, well, they're they're not doing very well, but some of the guys that they had are. That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's Fresh Take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Hennessy's Cabrera just keeps rolling for the Toronto Blue Jays. He has not allowed an earned run in his 15 games. In 14 innings of work, he has struck out a dozen. He's been spectacular. Jordan Hicks had a hick up. Oh, see what you did there. Oh, thank you. Uh, he's one and two with a 4.00. Nine strikeouts in uh, nine innings for the Jays. But man, you look at the guys that went to Texas. Uh, Jordan Montgomery, two and one with a 1.73. He struck out 26 and 26 innings for the Rangers. Chris Stratton has a 1.72 earned run average. He struck out 10 and 15 and two thirds. Jack Flaherty, guys, 
he has had to cost himself a ton of money here down the stretch. He's 1-2 and two with the Orioles with a 7.07 earned run average. He has struck out 19 and 14 innings, but is not the Jack Flaherty that we knew in 2019 and 2020 and 2021 before he got hurt. No, and it's very intriguing how he kind of answered some questions the other day. We actually have a clip because he was supposed to pitch, and then he says that it kind of seems like it's more of just a mindset thing with his injuries. Sometimes you don't bounce back the way you want to, and um, you just try to make the right decision of making sure that you you feel you feel right. And uh, yeah, sometimes there starts you just don't bounce back the way you want to. Throwing yesterday, just you know, you didn't quite feel like you bounce back, and uh, sometimes you know those are the hard decisions to make, especially you know you want to take the ball every time out, and uh, just one of those things. It's not concerning. And guys have you push things around all the time, depending on. The way it works out, sometimes you just don't hear about it. But when it comes up right before a start, like, then you're going to hear about it. I don't know what to make of that exactly. He was scratched with general soreness. And you heard the explanation, or I guess kind of explanation from him there. It seems like it's more of like a phantom issue of just that he needs to be in that mindset. I know that, CD, you talked about yesterday when we were discussing Ryan Helsley and some of the issues that he's having, having where the MRI came back clean. And this sounds more of just kind of a mindset thing of where you've had an injury and you're just maybe worried about re-aggravating it. But with what's going on with Flaherty, I mean, he still has to hit the free agency market with him I would assume I would want to be getting out there as as much as possible yeah you want to get out there if you feel comfortable and you feel healthy both physically and mentally that didn't sound like a a physical issue it sounds more like a a mental thing where he's struggling to find you know the mechanics or struggling to find the 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 angles that he's accustomed to and he's not hitting it and it can become frustrating the thing that frustrates me though is as a teammate Bro, nobody cares about what you're dealing with. We need you to perform. Like, you got to go out there and do your job because we're all counting on you. And so if you're not able to because maybe something is tweaked. Now, if it's a physical limitation, you know, something is sore, something is hurt. You don't want to tear something. You feel like you may hurt yourself more. I can, I, I 100%, I'm on your side. But if it's just you're not feeling your best, Nobody ever feels that once you become a once you become a collegiate athlete or if you're in the minor leagues, you never feel your best. That from that point on, you are never starting from 100%. Each year, the percentage is knocked down 1% or 2%. And so the fact that you can't give me what I need is it, that as a teammate is what lights me up. This is a guy and I, I'm a, I think everybody who listens to me and, and has listened for a long time, I'm, I'm a Jack Flaherty fan. I want him to do well. Yeah. But he wears a jersey and puts a picture of himself wearing a jersey of a guy who pitched with a broken leg, who had a one-hopper back to the mound and literally pitched with a broken leg. I'm talking about Bob Gibson in 1967. Maybe he misses Bob Gibson a lot more than we thought. Because I'll tell you what, Chris Carpenter came back, another of his mentors here, came back and pitched. Do you think Chris Carpenter ever felt great after his shoulder was injured in Toronto and he pitched no for the Cardinals? No one ever, ever felt, no, does. No. And, and, and we talked about it. The, we liked the beginning of the season where he had the, the Joker yeah. uh, video, yeah. like yeah. just saying this is who you're going to be. Bro, you got to play. Yeah. Like you have to play through pain. You have to play through you know, fatigue and soreness. And because you're tired both mentally and physically, 
Nobody cares, no, and you, I mean that respectfully. Like you, you care. You gotta you be tough, but you have yeah. to be mentally and physically tough. And if you're unable to do that, then those are the people that are unable to get those huge contracts. Yeah, and, and I, I wonder too, because we've talked about Jack Flaherty, the injuries this season. This is when he's been his most healthy. I guess you mm-hmm. would say going into a season. I wonder if that's factored into it that it's been a while since he's been able to go through an entire full season. Because he's he was typically injured going into the season. I don't, I don't know if he is. I think he's trying to thread the needle here in free agency, of not being healthy. Because you really he he admitted that he's dealt with this labrum tear for his entire career. Yeah, you don't pitch with labrum tears, and so I think he's trying to manage get his, it, get as much out of his body as he can before he hits free agency, and think that teams aren't going to realize it. Well got a 7.07 ERA with the with the Orioles we all know and if he does wind up with some team it's not going to be on a long-term contract he's going to get a one-year deal and hopefully he'll be able to get healthy like Michael Walker has become healthy and become a serviceable pitcher but my I would predict that the future for Jack Flaherty is going to be that he's going to bounce around Major League Baseball you will never be able to back your way into a huge contract you got to go forward. Yeah. You got to yep. go through. You got to. You, you're not gonna slide in, and nobody's gonna. Hey, here's a, here's 25 million a year. We we know you're not. No, that's not. You got to show it. And if you can't show it, no one's going to pay you. It doesn't matter how you feel like you're gonna get it. it it's only one way. It's going forward. It's going through. Not bagging your way into. And it. it's a shame, by the way. Talented guy. I mean, Uber. Yes. He had an 0.91 earned run average for the second half of the 2019 season. Struck out 124 in 99 innings. Just an absolute stud. So this. This is sad. It is. And when you talk about the teammate aspect, teams are going to look at that, right? About how well yeah. that you do work with others. And of course, we don't know the full scope of the Wilson Contreras situation. But what we do know is that Jack Flaherty was one of the pitchers that was a part of that discussion when they were trying to mend that bridge between Wilson Contreras and the pitchers. And then you have this situation. You talk about just going out there for your teammates. That puts everybody in a bind yeah. in that situation when you're scratched that quickly or that's close to a game. That's today's Fresh Take on 101 ESPN. Coming up, Brooke, Carey, Randy. We're going to talk to our buddy Nick Ragone from the Ascension Charity Classic. It starts two weeks from today over at Norwood Hills. And Nick will join us here in studio next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. and Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker, and two weeks from today, the Ascension Charity Classic will be underway over at Norwood Hills Country Club, and you can still get tickets at ascensioncharityclassic.com. Nick Rigone from the tournament joins us. Always good to have Nick in to talk some golf here on 101 ESPN. Good morning, sir. How you doing? It's great to see everybody. Two weeks out, getting ready. Is the hay in the barn? Is there anything left to do besides sell a few more tickets? Always sell a few more tickets, but honestly, th- I, my work is 50 weeks a year where I talk about the event, and then mm-hmm. the last two weeks, the team actually runs it. So if you drive out past Norwood today, you'll see the build-out happening. We've sold everything there is to sell. Now we just I start looking at my weather charts and praying, and so far, knock on wood, it looks good. Good. What's worse, this heat or obviously if it were to rain? The rain is worse, and I'll tell you why. Because uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we have three days of Pro-Am. So unlike most events, we have three days. And if you get rained out, you get rained out. right? There's really nothing you could do about it. It's not like a baseball game where you get a ticket for another game. And so the most important three days of the week are Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Even more so than Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We want to make sure that our 
our pro-ams, our sponsors have a great time. And so that's what I really, really look at. And, I, you know, I can control a lot, the field, the <laughs> tournament, the course, the players, the media. The one thing I can't is the weather. <laughs> and it drives me nuts. I know. You can only do so much. And I know how much work that you put in. I always enjoy I know this is the third annual Ascension Charity Classic. I enjoy going every single year to see how things are continuing to upgrade the fan experience. What is one of your favorite stories that you've heard from a fan about a fan-player interaction that they've had during the Ascension Charity Classic? That's a great question. You know, the first year um, I uh, was off the 18th green, and there was probably a 10-year-old kid was giddy. I mean, just excited, uh, boy. And I, I said, "What? What's going on?" He goes, "Oh, I just spent five minutes with VJ Singh, and he signed a wow. he signed a glove for me." Now VJ is a great guy and a great golfer, not known as the most fan friendly guy, but they get they turn fifty and they get that. Mm-hmm. That's part of the gig is it's the great mulligan in life and to interact with the fans and to have somebody say like VJ spent all that time and he was chatting with the guy and I heard that over and over. You know, Bernard Longer spent time with me and he signed stuff and these guys just make themselves available because they know they're not grinding for a check. There's no cut. You know, you're guaranteed a payday, and they get that it's a real privilege to be able to play after 50 and compete at the highest level, and so they really go out of their way to interact with the fans. Nick, I was thinking about this, and I wanted to know, what is the the greatest round of golf or the greatest performance that you've ever witnessed in person? Oh, wow. That's... uh... That's a great question. Um, I, you know, I, I would say with Ozzy, but it'll inflate his ego. <laughs> Every time I play with Ozzy, he seems to be in the 60s somewhere. Um, you know, that's a really, really good question. I've played, you know, I played with Pat Britt, who's like the eight-time club champion at Norwood and one of the great players. And it seems like whenever I play with him, you, your game gets better by osmosis because mm. when you play with somebody really good, you just pick up on their habits. And yeah. so I try to make a habit of playing with better people than me, which is not that hard since most people are better than me. <laughs> uh, John Daly will be in town, and he's he's a St. Louis fan, a Cardinal fan. He has endeared himself to our town. The year after he won his first PGA in Indy was was here at the PGA at Belle Reve. He's a guy that just kind of is tied to St. Louis, isn't he? He is. He's a Missouri guy. And, you know, I forgot. He won at Crooked Stick in 91, yeah. so he played at Belle Reve in 92. Yeah. Uh, he loves it here. I mean, he he said this publicly that this is like a major to him. Coming back here, playing, it's a home game. You know, we had him the first two years, I think he threw out the first pitch at the Cardinals game. He absolutely loves it here. I'll tell you, the fans, here's a funny story. On Thursday of the first year, so two years ago, uh, we opened up our Pro-Am on Thursday to the public. So if you want to come out, come out on Thursday. It's great. And I had forgotten that, so I was having lunch with the commissioner of the PGA Tour champions on Thursday. And I forgot that the grounds were open. And somebody came in and said, hey, by the way, uh, someone on my team, we have about 5,000 people on the grounds. And I was like, oh, wait, I forgot we did that. And then I looked at the commissioner. I said, is that normal for Thursday? And he goes, Nick, that's 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 a good Saturday. <laughs> and, and, and the, but the, most of them were watching daily. Mm-hmm. About 3,000 of them were just like, he's like the Pied Piper of golf. Amazing. <laughs> now, for people that aren't aware of it, what you and the folks at the Ascension Charity Classic want to do and by the way, thanks to all, I'll let you get your partners in. The Ascension Charity Classic brought to you by. We got Worldwide Technology. We got the great state of Missouri, Missouri Tourism, uh, which um, I can't thank them enough. You know, Missouri, the state of Missouri doesn't look at this as just 
uh, three-day golf event in North County. They look at it as a celebration for the state for the entire week. So it's a Central Charity Classic week, according to our Lieutenant Governor, Mike Keogh. And, uh, and on the Golf Channel, you know, they use it as an opportunity to sell the state as a great place to work, a great place to play, a great place to relocate if you're a company. And so I'm really proud that it's become a moment for our entire state to sell itself to the rest of the country. Keep in mind, we're on the Golf Channel for live coverage for eight hours and then taped coverage for another eight. There's no other PGA Tour event opposite of us. So we own golf for that week on the Golf Channel, and it really is a love letter to St. Louis. And by the way, your friends at Emerson as well, uh, presented by Emerson. But let's uh, talk about what you try to emulate, because people can watch that this weekend if they watch the PGA Tour Championship in Atlanta, that really is kind of the the inspiration for the Ascension Charity Classic, isn't it? It really is. When we uh, started thinking about the event a couple of years ago, we went and visited East Lake, and uh, Tom Cousins, the gentleman that really created the vision there, which is create a special event and all the proceeds stay in the community to really help. If you've been to East Lake, uh, that area where the event is has been underserved and and overlooked for a long time, and now over twenty years they've invested. $100 million, and they've changed that community completely. And so that's the model we looked at, and it it is kind of serendipitous, the timing of the Tour Championship this week, mm-hmm. and then in two weeks, our event. And so you have two great marquee events on the PGA Tour uh, umbrella that really are about um, reinvesting in the community and in urban communities. And I, I hope that even through this partnership with the PIF, that the PGA Tour makes a concerted effort to do more of that type of urban renewal investment through their events, and not just holding them at elite country clubs in uh, wealthier parts of town, but trying to make investments. And as we mentioned, this is just the third going of this, but seeing the amount of money that has been raised by the Ascension Charity Classic and how highly the players speak of it, that's the biggest part to me, is seeing that money going back to the community. What have you seen already change from that investment? You know, it's a great question. I was uh, I just visited with Michael McMillan uh, at the Urban League two weeks ago uh, with Warner Baxter, former chairman or the chairman of Ameren, and uh, and and looking at what the money actually does. You know, we've raised now two and a half million dollars after this show to be over four million. That's a record for three years on the Champions Tour. But I will tell you, it's not a talking point for me. Like I go and I visit Mary Grove, which is near and dear to my heart. I'm on the board of the Urban League and the Boys and Girls Club. And I talk to their leadership, to Dr. Fowler and to Michael McMillan, to understand what are our dollars doing? Like, how are they improving the lives of kids and making a difference? And they really are. This is not, you know, it's not a talking point. It's not an abstract number. It's not something I say in media interviews. These are dollars that are changing people's lives. And that, at the end of the day, the golf is secondary. You know, I, I would joke that, you know, our champion was Padraig Harrington last year and David Thompson the year before, but our consistent winners are our three charities. Absolutely. So the Ascension Charity Classic starts a, well, two weeks from today at uh, at Norwood. Tickets available at ascensioncharityclassic.com. We do have, as we mentioned, the Tour Championship. Who do you like this weekend? You know, I liked Scotty Scheffler. Anytime you start with a two-shot lead on a PGA Tour event, and you're the, you know, Scotty has had the highest greens and regulation percentage since Tiger in 2000, which is amazing. You'd think he would have won more. He's a kind of a streaky putter. But um, he kind of had a minor implosion yesterday. Uh, Rory hurt his back a little bit. Colin Morikawa well, looks really good. Eh, about a week back. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, Rory, um, he has a little back problem. So, I, it, you know, look, I, I love Scotty Scheffler, but it's kind of interesting, this staggered start I I like it a lot because, you know, prior to that, remember, you had to do math to figure out, like, who was going to win the mm-hmm. FedEx Cup. Yeah. You had to, like, have a degree in differential equations, <laughs> which I don't. Um, and so now they make it easier. I still like Scotty Scheffler. I think Scotty has the chance of being a historically great player. That's how good his ball 
ball striking is he just needs to putt a little bit better. Well, we're looking forward to the Classic. It really quickly in the third year has become a major part of the St. Louis sports scene thanks to Nick Rigone. You've done magnificent work in getting it up and running, and uh, I'm excited about being over there in a couple weeks. We are too. Brooke promises great weather, so we'll see. Uh, yeah. I will try. There we go. I'm trying. I will try to bring yeah. it. It is. It's it's great every time of year. Like I, I feel like the weather has been good. And 101 ESPN's opening drive can provide you first alert weather, so just tune well, in. Well, even better. Nice <laughs> plug, Randy. This guy's like a pro. Yes. <laughs> well, nice. Nick, Nick Rigon with us on 101 ESPN from the Ascension Charity Classic starting two weeks from today, and it's a great weekend. It's just like if you've ever been to a regular PGA Tour event. It's set up that way, and it's as, as high class and as classy as you can imagine. Everything's done right over there. Coming up next, we've got the fight on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight in the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker. Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley, and it is time for the fight. And our fighter today is Kyle. Kyle, how you doing? I'm doing wonderful. So, Kyle, I read your text here. It says, I want to fight Randy, and I don't even need the options. Is that still your stance? Uh, yes, sir. All right, oh, so you, wow. you're going Randy character style. You'll get one question where you get the options if you so choose. If not, we'll just read them like we do for Randy. You ready to go? Okay, sounds good. All right, only two players in NFL history have tallied six 100-plus catch seasons. Brandon Marshall and who else? Um, Larry Fitzgerald. Who is the active career leader in saves with 420 with 29 of those coming this season? Emily Jansen. Steven Strasburg announced his retirement yesterday. Strasburg was the number one overall pick in 2009, which eventual Major League started did the Cardinals draft later in the same first round. I guess I'll take the option on this one. Michael Walker, Shelby Miller, or Alex Reyes? Shelby Miller. Which running back put together the greatest three-year run of scoring in NFL history, tallying 69 touchdowns in 48 games? Um, Walter Payton. All right, let's double-check the score and bring in Randy Carricker. All right, Kyle, how, how do you feel? Uh, I feel good because it's Friday. <laughs> well, that's always a great day. Uh, intriguing choice going with uh, no options. I think you might have like done yourself justice had you gone with the options there, pal. I don't know. <laughs> might have helped you out a little bit more. Randy is coming in. He's eating a banana and uh, has his diet, Dr. Pepper. You betcha, sir. Uh, Randy, say hello to Kyle. Kyle, good morning. How you doing? Good morning, Randy. How are you? Doing great. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. All right, thanks for having me. Kyle decided not to take any options. 
similar to what you do, took one well, option. He, he played Randy Carricker style. I admire and, uh, that. He's, uh, yeah. he's, he's ready for the fight, and I, I hope you are as well. I'll try to be. All right. You ready? Ready. Only two players in NFL history have tallied six 100-plus catch seasons. Brandon Marshall and who else? Six seasons of 100-plus catches. Um, you know, we didn't have a 100-catch season until 1984 when Art Monk did it. So I'm assuming this has happened in the last 30 years. Um, so, let's see. Did Calvin Johnson play long enough to get 100? It's, it's, so you've got Julio, who's piled up all those yards, but I think he was hurt too much. Kind of surprising that Brandon Marshall is one of the two. Intriguing. That's good. So um, let me just, uh, so you got Calvin. Bad teams, bad quarterbacks, throw to one guy. <laughs> yeah, true. Mm. Um, <laughs> our guys didn't do it. Uh, Tori and uh, Isaac didn't do it. Jerry Rice, they just didn't throw the ball enough. So it's, um, I think I will go with, Well, you also had the long career of Fitzgerald, but I don't... Well, his quarterbacking was pretty good, too. Because um, he had Kurt and Carson Palmer. And he is second all-time all, all in reception. So I, I think I'll make that move. I think I will go with, uh, with Larry. All right. Who is the active career leader in saves with 420, with 29 of those coming this season? 29 saves this season. Um, hold on here. Uh, let's see. It's not the Angels guy. Um, 420 saves right now. That's interesting. Cards, Cubs, Dodgers. Uh, you know what? I think I'll go with Kenley Jansen. I was thinking about Kimbrell, but I don't think Kimbrell has 29 this year. I'll go with Kenley Jansen. Steven Strasburg announced his retirement yesterday. Strenorg, or Strasburg, was the first overall pick in 2009. I'm just reading the paper. Oh, okay. Strenorg. Good, good. <laughs> was the number one overall pick in 2009. Which eventual major league starter did the Cardinals draft later in that same first round? It should be 09. Um, okay, so Waka was taken in 12. 11. 10. Uh, 2009. Um, so the Cardinals would have finished 2008 in the middle of the pack. Um, who would have come up in like the 2012 range? Um, who's a starter that came up with a lot of hype and then wound up flaming up like all the other Cardinal starters do? Um, okay, Waka. Um, just uh, let me go through numbers here. Um, so 29, Reyes wasn't first rounder. He was an international signing. 30, I don't have 31, 2, 3, 4 through 5. Um, you know, Carrie, I think I'm going to go with number 40, Shelby Miller. All right. Which or number 40 for the Cardinals. He wasn't the 40th pick or anything like that. <laughs> Question number four. Which running back put together the greatest three-year three run of scoring in NFL history, telling 69 touchdowns in 48 games? 
69 touchdowns in 48 games. You'd almost think that it had to be Ladanian Tomlinson, who had, what, something like 38 in one season, so 48, 58. I'll do the lifeline here. I can't imagine that somebody would have been able to beat LT, but I'll I'll do the lifeline here just in case. Okay. Priest Holmes, Sean Alexander, or Ladanian Tomlinson? I'm going to go LT. Kyle came in with some bravado, texted in he wanted to fight, and he was going to do it Randy style. Little spoiler alert, it was a close fight with both fighters not taking the option. So, was Kyle able to come in on a Friday and leave triumphant with a Randy style win? Or does Carriker Megamind go into the weekend with another victory? Ring that bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carriker. The fight is presented by Golf Discount of St. Louis with the most experienced club fitters in town. Why shop anywhere else? I'm sorry, Kyle. Randy Carriker just beat you three to two. That last question ended up being the difference maker. Yeah, I should have went with I that was my gut, honestly. But I Yeah wait Walter Payton went better, so it's tricky. You always wonder around those, that 31 touchdown record setting year by Tomlinson. How did he do around that? Well, uh, he scored a lot of touchdowns uh, the yeah. years around that as well. Only two players in NFL history have tallied 600 plus catch seasons Brandon Marshall and the man who did it six times straight for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Antonio, Antonio Brown. Brown, who is the active career leader in saves with 420. He has 29 of them coming into the season, which means he has overtaken Craig Kimbrell during the year, and that is Kenley Jansen, the current active leader in saves in Major League Baseball. Steven Strasburg announced his retirement. Yesterday, he was the number one overall pick in 2009 when later on in that same first round, Shelby Miller was drafted by the Cardinals. And LaDainian Tomlinson actually has two different uh, two different 48-game stretches where he scored 69 touchdowns. Wow. He has the one that ended with his record-setting year where he scored 66 rushing touchdowns and three receiving. Or he has the one uh, where his third, where uh, the first year that he, or the record-setting year is the middle year, and then he has 61 touch uh, rushing touchdowns and eight receiving touchdowns. So he has two different spans where he is the greatest touchdown scorer in NFL history. LT, the answer for number three, a 3-2 win for Randy Carricker. Kyle, thank you so much for joining the fight and joining the show today. Well, thanks for letting me by. Have a great weekend, guys. Thanks, Thanks, Kyle. Kyle. Absolutely. Good performance. Oh, Oh. Randy Carricker. I hit him with a good performance. Shame on you. you. Fat on the back. Shame on you. This is a tribute, Matthew. Shame. Shame, shame, shame. (laughs) You going to do the other one? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, no. I I wouldn't. Come on, I wouldn't. Would I really do that? Oh, how about that? <laughs> Unloaded the clip. You know, you had unloaded the clip very often in in the calendar year. Oh, Kyle's great. I love I love Kyle. I, I love people that have the the guts to do that because that's hard. And it, it's yes. hard. And, and you know what? He he got, he actually picked a, a pretty good fight to do it, and he got mm-hmm. two right. That was pretty impressive. Yeah, very it good is. job. Very good job. St. Louis City SC is on the road in Orlando City. I wonder who calls it Orlando City, but we're going to next segment when we preview St. Louis City. Trying to maintain first place in the West. Next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's the only way City knows how to play. Oh, that's completely given away. And it's an equalizer. And a word. Chaos. Oh, it's a giveaway to Klaus. Who clips it over the And scores a wonderful goal. We're breaking down. 
Downtown City SC on the opening drive in our weekly segment we like to call Controlled Chaos. Brought to you by Keystone Event Staffing. Better people mean better events. won back-to-back MLS regular season games against Austin last week, and they're at Orlando to take on Orlando City tomorrow night, 6.30, and you can see the game on Apple, and a lot of good things happening for St. Louis City SC. First among them, we'll get to Klaus in a moment, but City, at the moment, the most successful expansion franchise in league history, has 44 points. Their goal differential is plus 19, which is far and away the highest in the league, not just in the Western Conference. Next closest is plus 15. The Columbus Crew are at plus 15. So St. Louis dominating in that aspect of things. And they have a four-point advantage over LAFC in the Western Division. So uh, Western Conference. So uh, at the moment, one of the most successful expansion franchises in the history of pro sports in America. It is. Do you think that this is almost a Cinderella story, maybe on the national media side, because if you guys remember, City SC, before the season started, was picked last by a lot yeah. of media enthusiasts, which, I mean, can you be an enthusiast if you pick them last? I feel like I feel like we knew here that they would possibly be successful. I don't know if we imagined this level of success, but with everything they had set in place, the stadium ready, the training facility ready, bringing over some really core pieces and Zhao Klaus, which I know that we're going to talk about later, and Roman Berkey and Leuven, those guys, bringing those guys together. I think we knew internally that they would have success, but it seems like everywhere else, they didn't think this was going to happen. So is this a Cinderella story of a season for everybody else in national media, I guess, when they're looking? I would say so. And the thing is, Lutz von Steel is a spectacular talent evaluator. And I don't blame people for picking St. Louis City SC to finish last because they just didn't know. Like... We didn't know until they got really going. They didn't. They thought, oh well, they're all they saw was a bunch of names on a sheet. They hadn't seen these guys play. Then all of a sudden they start playing, and then the soccer media nationally takes notice. Oh, they're pretty good. They've got a system. They've got players that fit into their system. They're well coached. As Bradley Carnell told us the other day, they have incredible support at home that energizes them. Everything that they could have dreamed of, I would think, over at City Park has happened so far this year. And you point out the home is a big thing because they only have four home matches. And Taylor Twelman was like pointing this out big time when he joined Balloon Party earlier in the week. Talk, talk about the four home matches. And for me, the big thing is that the two of those four home matches are LAFC mm-hmm. and Seattle, who beat you, who, who are the only teams that have really taken advantage of you and got your number. And they that's with two three zero wins away at their stadium. If you can win those games, especially that last one against Seattle, going into the playoffs, I mean, talk about momentum. Oh. Talking about just dominating your conference. And with what Bradley Carnell has been able to do. I love hearing him talk the way that he explains things. Just listening to him, I'm like, I want to go play for that guy. So it it doesn't surprise me that he's able to get the most out of these guys. But you look at the injuries that they've had this season, and you are going to get some players back. But elevating the new players, a lot of the new guys that they've been able to bring in in just this inaugural season – they have been able to really yeah. mesh into the system well. That shows you how organizationally sound that they are, that the message is getting through even from the guys in City too, to where when they get that opportunity to come up, they're already making an impact. Well, it starts with leadership. And they had, you know, before they even got to their season, they had time together. They were here a year before they, yep. they started everything. So you get to become familiar with your teammates. 
both on and off the field in practice and, and off the field hanging out, and you know who those guys are. You kind of learn their character. You learn their work ethic. And I think all of that allowed them to have the success that they're having right now. It 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 formed a bond that, that put them in a position where they are right now. And so it's really good. And, again, from the top down, we talked to Bradley Carnell. We talked to Lutz Fannister. We hear them and how they express what it means to, to play for that organization, how hard they're going to work, how much they're going to rest. But they're going to work their butt off in training and making sure that they're prepared for anything that comes at them. So tomorrow night, come into town. I like that song there. <laughs> he knows when you've been sleeping. He knows if you're awake. Yeah. It's not it's not 100%. We're going to see more Thorson. Thor. We're going to V. Joe Kim Nielsen. Joaquin. Might st- uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it looks like he's going to start the game, which obviously after the defensive lapses last time, that, that's you know getting somebody back. They keep talking about being one of the best center backs in the entire league could be huge. And then hopefully Zhao Klaus comes off the bench. And mm-hmm. again, I, I would probably guess it's one of those 20 minuteers where you know he comes in right there around the 68th, the 60, 70th minute mark. Can we, can we nickname yeah. him the microwave? Just get that. things yeah. like Vinny, Vinny Johnson. Yep, heat up in a hurry. We also we got a text here. Somebody was asking like, what what is the form? Format of the playoffs, so they can kind of see gauge how City does. Here's the thing: you won't have to worry about this because your team's cruising. But there is a play-in match, a wild card play-in match. So the top nine teams technically make it. There is then a um, wild card matchup, uh, two two games, um, and then there's you know the, the aggregates and the tie and that kind of thing. So the winner of that is then the eight seed, and then you have classic breakdown from there, one versus eight, and it is a, it is best of three. Two matches, obviously, at the better record, one away. So that's the first round. Then the second round is going to go exactly how you think, which is um, single elimination. And we'll have home field, right? Uh, yeah. We being St. Louis City SC. Here's uh, how ironic that uh, what Jimmy Butler was to the NBA, Lionel Messi in Miami, will be to, mm. the, to <laughs> Inter- MLS. Miami. Yep, uh, that uh, they get the A seed and... and Take Just off. take it off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm really happy they're not in the uh, Eastern Conference. Me too. No. That, that would that would, he he's just you, you, you scared. I mean, he did it again. You he scared? did it again in the semifinal of the uh, of the Open Cup yeah, against Cincy. I last mean, in their division. I, and it doesn't gonna, matter. Probably, they have They are. It doesn't this? matter. That's twenty. I can't. Add. They're going to be. They're going to be um, an eight or nine seed, which means they're going to play in a wild card round, and they will win that game. Fourteen points. Uh, they right. haven't seen City C yet. Well, they did. He has not, not seen he City SC. He no. has you know what? One thing about soccer, most sports. <laughs> okay, would you say rock? <laughs> but this this sport. Okay, this sport. You can't score if you don't have the ball. Well, uh, <laughs> technically, he's, he's really good at getting the ball. Not as good as we are as keeping Randy, away. We, Randy, we, we he, be, he became the best player in the world, on a, the on, a, world. on a team that was entirely based off possession currently, soccer. Mbappe. Currently. Uh, Mbappe is the best oh, player in the world. He just, future he St. Louis City this year. I think he won the World Cup. Like He was the best player on the Argentina team that just won the World Cup. Yeah, it was all supporting They, they got 11 games left, Inter-Miami does. They're going to win nine of them. Is that 12? Maybe 12. 12. So 12. tomorrow night, we'll, 630 uh, on yeah. Apple, you'll be able to see St. Louis City SC. And it really is an entertaining brand of soccer. The sport is great. So uh, they'll don the kits, they'll hit the pitch, and try to come away with uh, victory for our side. Nicely done. By did the way, three and four says anything there. They still haven't. That Messi still hasn't scored on a world class keeper. You know what city has? A world, a world class, class keeper. keeper. Darn right about that. Yeah. He, wait till he. Uh, wait till he gets a load of our physicality. He's a little fella, right? 
We I like. mean, he is. He's five yeah. six. Dealt with. You can't even five, headbutt seven. him. <laughs> a normal sized person can't even headbutt the Ram, guy. Ram, if he's one, just help. Just, just say it really, really demonstrably. He's never played in the Premier League. He doesn't know what physicality is. Yeah. He doesn't know what. Well, he he never played in our league, which yeah, is yeah, the yeah, Premier okay, League. Okay. <laughs> I do. I do think it's fun, kind of watching him if you've seen him in these matches. Is that he kind of scans the field and then just quick bursts of things, but in those bursts, he's making a huge difference. Was it? Did you guys see the uh, security that he has running up and down the field with him? No, I haven't this seen that part of it. This is unbelievable. Okay. Oh, I feel I, like he I, needs I, it, though, right? I feel like this is... No, this is true. Oh, no. This, no we're getting this set is going to be a joke. Carrie, okay, we're getting set up here. Yeah. No, you are. This I is unbelievable. Like uh-oh. Okay, I am going to... I'll, I'll tweet this. <laughs> set up. Okay, uh, I'll retweet it. It's on... Uh, hold on. It's on the It's on the X. Um, Eurofoot. Check Check out Eurofoot. Okay. I'm going to retweet <laughs> this. You know what? I'll just retweet it for you kids right now because I love you so much. Um, if I can find it. Here we go. Retweeting. Uh, I'll, I'll quote it and I'll, I'll say amazing, and then just go to your uh, your Twitter. I'm still calling it Twitter, and just check out this guy running up and down the sidelines to keep an eye on Messi and make sure that nobody lays a, f- a finger on him. Mm. Big old bald guy. And here it is: uh, during Inter Miami matches, Leo Messi is followed by an ex U.S. Navy SEAL for maximum security. Uh, Intriguing. Yeah, how about that? Wow. How about that? A Navy SEAL. That's yep. that's exactly that, exactly what you need. Well, <laughs> oh my God! There's a video under this post showing this guy of Messi trying taking pictures with fans, and whenever a fan would put their arm around Messi, the guy walks up behind and like pulls their arm down, yeah. as he should. Yeah. Well, that's what he's getting paid to do. I'd hope that he would be doing that. Right. He has to pay attention to him. Does he yeah. actually run? Uh, well, no, he just kind of. Well, kind of. All he has to do is walk up and down the sidelines. You know the veteran ref when you're playing pickup basketball, like when you're playing in a rec league, like that guy. He just kind of. You know, meanders around the half court the entire time yeah. and calls it as he sees it. Like he's just he's covering ground that he needs to. That's intriguing. Yeah. I wonder how cool, that feels it? to have someone just following you everywhere you go. Probably get it's used a bit to uncomfortable. it. Yeah, uh, but it's pretty cool. So anyway, if you just go to uh, my X or Twitter page, uh, my name is Randy Carricker at Randy Carricker K A R R A K E R. You can see it. I just retweeted it, so it's pretty cool. I think you'll like it. I think it'll be fun to watch that security that Messi has. Mm. That's controlled chaos right there <laughs> on the opening drive. Next up, the Rush Hour Reset. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time to recap the biggest sports stories of the day on the opening drive with a Rush Hour Reset. Brought to you by Clubhouse Turf, your exclusive partner of Celebrity Greens. We're redefining private golf. in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Brooke Grimsley and Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. Brooke's neck bothers What part of your neck is bothering you? There, uh, it's the side. The back of her I've neck. I've decided it's back the side. How long do you think she's had? About a week back? No, it's the side. No, it's the side. <laughs> okay, I was trying. I'm trying to give it a shot. Cardinals at Philly tonight. They'll send Miles Michaelis to the mound against uh, Chris without an H. Uh, Carver? 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 Carter? Yeah, it's... Uh, no, it's uh, Chris Sanchez. Oh. Chris okay. Sanchez is going to be playing. That's close. Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, Katie Wu at The Athletic does magnificent work. You hear her, obviously, all the time on the opening drive. Uh, not the opening drive. You hear on BK and Ferrario. <laughs> Am I Katie Wu? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? I'll, I'll take that. Oh, man. Yeah, she's she does a really good job. But she's asked, any chance we see a managerial change at the end of the season? She said, 
Quote, it won't be the most popular answer with the fan base, but I don't anticipate any changes to Cardinals leadership. Mosaic's future is the most clear. Mosaic signed a two-year contract extension in February, which will take his tenure through 2025, and principal owner Bill DeWitt Jr. has already pledged Mosaic will finish that term. Gersh, whose contract is good through 2024, likely isn't going anywhere either, though both he and Mosaic surely are already feeling mounting pressure to build a competitive club next year. Marmol's contract also expires after the 2024 season, and it's unlikely the Cardinals would cut ties with the second-year manager at this time. Hmm. So she doesn't anticipate any changes to the Cardinals' leadership structure and obviously doesn't uh, anticipate much improvement in fundamentals. I'm not... Oh, oh. Oh, I see with that last oh Whoa. that last little jab that, there, think, Randy. I think that last part was you. No, that was that was me. Okay. Just yeah, that, that last little jab there. I think that it's very accurate with what she's stating. Because one, with Ollie Marmal, you can't go through, I'm sure in their minds, another manager when you've gone through so many so far because they have completely bought in since Mike Matheny that it's going to be the manager's gonna be a former player or somebody who has Cardinals ties. Or, well, and or somebody who's been a part of the Cardinals organization and first-year managers. Those are those are the three common thing. That's the common thing that you see amongst those three, right? With Mike Matheny, Mike Schild, and now Ali Marmol. So abandoning things, I'm sure, in their minds with Ali Marmol would be like admitting that we made a mistake right. here, and they would have to go in a completely different direction. And they are not a group that ordinarily admits mistakes. No. So, no, I, I wouldn't anticipate any changes either. And hopefully, magically, things will get Ma- back to improving. I don't know that magic is going to help. <laughs> said magic. You kind of need some magic. Uh, no. if, if we don't anticipate any changes in the offseason to the coaching staff, is every little bit of change for next year as opposed to this year will just happen because of the players on the field? Every yeah, little well, bit of it? Yeah. Kerry, mm-hmm. <laughs> as, as, as a guy who played a lot of... Seasons on the field and, and saw a lot of teams get put together on paper and in the off season. How's that going to work out? Yeah, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta coach them up. You gotta go play. Yeah, you gotta be coached up. Mm-hmm. It doesn't just happen. We don't just roll the ball out there and oh no, and, and we don't play on paper. Uh, don't no. play the games on paper. So. Not, not the two o'clock meeting. So maybe yeah. that's a good follow up question with this: is say, okay, you're going to go with this plan. Nothing changes going into next season mm-hmm. or even moving forward. I'd be thrilled. What is what? What would need to change? What would need to happen in these next coming seasons for them to maybe realize that you need to have somebody else outside of the organization coming in, a fresh set of eyes, somebody who isn't afraid to maybe bring up something that might not make them happy. I guess what I'm saying is not a yes man. It seems to me that if they aren't prepared to make any changes after a season like this, they're saying that everything's cool. And obviously they aren't happy with the results, but what they're telling me is that they think that they're really smart and that this is a fluke. Well, I I don't think... So I've said this all along that I didn't think Ali and his staff were the reason for why it was going so bad. It it just was, guys got to play better. And if they aren't playing better, you got to get better guys. And who does that fall on? That falls on upper management and the people on the field. And at times, there were it was really bad in terms of what people were doing or not doing, whether it was at the plate, in the field, bouncing balls around, throwing the balls all over the place, just not taking care of their responsibilities. As a team and as a player, your job is to hold each other accountable, do your job to the best of your ability, because you know if you don't, you won't have a job much longer. And so – 
That's on the front office to get people in there that can play at a high level, that can pitch at a high level, uh, and perform when the time is, is called for them to perform. And if they're not, then the players have to – you can't you can't coach bad players, if that makes sense. You no, can't you coach can't, bad right? players to be good players if they're not good enough. Now, if they're good enough and just aren't doing the minor detailed things, then, yes, some of that can fall on coaching. But – if it's sim- simple things as throwing the ball to the right base or throwing the ball to the to the to the first baseman in the right spot, not over his head, uh, making your pitches in the right spot instead of missing your spots when the call when the pitch is called for you to when I see the catcher mm-hmm. butt on the ground and the the ball is left hanging up over the middle of the plate and then I see it go over the fence. That's I can't coach that. I, that's on the players to perform that. And if they can't do that properly, then you got to get better players in there that can. Yeah, and I know that we were talking about they haven't exactly maybe admitted things, but I know that John Mosellock did say say that this is the roster that Ali Marmal has been handed. When you look at roster construction, we definitely can look at roster construction this season and say there were some mistakes made here. So that is on the front office, that is on the organization, and they have to make those improvements going to next season. Now, when it comes to elevating talent, when you have this much of a drop-off, I think with anybody, regardless if, if, if it was Ali Marmal, if it was you know Tony Russo or anything like that, if you have a season like this, you're definitely going to call into question the players, but you're also going to look at the manager and the coaching staff because you have to, right? You have well, to wonder how we got to this point and you also look at the front office so as an organization as a whole you start to question what led to this because I don't think this was just necessarily a one-off season there was a lot of things that led up to what we saw this year dramatic changes need to be made and it starts by the way with adding if you, if you have a young catcher like Yvonne Herrera and a rather inexperienced catcher like Kisner it would benefit your organization to have an organizational catching instructor yeah. It, it just would. If you have young outfielders that look like they struggle out there, like Jordan Walker and Alec Burleson, and a new outfielder in Tommy Edmond, might be a good idea to have a veteran coach out there, taking nothing away from Willie McGee, but somebody that teaches also, in addition to Willie, the fundamentals of playing that position. Now you're going to have Mason Wynn on the infield. Stubby Clap is a, a fine coach. I hope that he's the guy to help Mason Wynn come along as a shortstop when, by their own admission, Paul DeYoung's physical abilities began to deteriorate. They just didn't change anything. They didn't adjust. They didn't coach him up. And now I guarantee you that he'll go to San Francisco and he'll be a different player because they have a great coaching staff there. And Gabe Kapler and... Farhan Zaidi, they do a great job of putting players in their best position to succeed. And I think that's all I ask for the Cardinals. Put all of these players, young or old, in the best position to succeed. I I think that makes the most sense. And when you are put in that position, when you're giving that opportunity as a player, you got to perform. Mm -hmm. And I, I think a lot of times this season, guys haven't performed to that level that was expected or that is required for them for this team to have success. And I think that's what it boils down to. I'm sitting here thinking about, you know, when I played doing everyday drills. We would do our, you know, our bags and and our individual drills would be bags or cutting, things like that. But there are some things that you don't do every day, which is like blocking and hitting the sled. You may have to do that after practice. You may have to do catch 100 balls with the backup quarterback after practice because you're not going to get that type of repetition during practice. During practice, we're focusing on the scouting report, what this opposing team is going to do and how we're going to attack them. So there are things as a player 
that if I want to stay sharp or get better at, I have to do on my own time. And that goes for, for any professional athlete. That's Kerry. That's Brooke. I'm Randy. And that's today's Rush Hour Reset on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to head to the Celebrity Line. And our friend, the voice of the Cardinals on Valley Sports, Chip Kerry, joins us next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. There we go. Brooke Grimsley, Carrie Davis, Randy Carricker. It's the opening drive, 101 ESPN. Uh, our friendship, Carrie, is in Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. We love you, brother. How you doing? I'm doing great. I can't wait to get booed by some seven-year-old kid this morning. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then the double bird, too. Yeah, yeah bird. exactly. I, just, I forgot to pack my Santa suit. That would be a guarantee. <laughs> These fan bases, especially in Philly, I've, I've heard that the brotherly love is not exactly there for people from the outside coming in. And I would think, Chip, especially when we you were doing the Braves games, because the Braves were always so good, I would think that there was a, a little bit of extra animosity on the part of Philly fans for Atlanta. Oh, yeah, I learned things about my family I never knew. It was oh, terrific. Uh, no, but they're great, passionate fans up here. Their, their ballpark's one of my favorites. I know that uh, the Cardinals people have not come here all that often. It's once a year. But, yeah, this was always a special place to come visit. The fans are passionate. The games are great. The ballpark's awesome. The booth is terrific. And the people behind the scenes really make us feel like we're at home. So it'll be nice to catch up with old friends here and hopefully play a little better here than we did across the state over in Pittsburgh. Well, Chip, we were talking about this earlier in the show and throughout. The fortunes of the two teams with the Cardinals and Phillies have really changed after the playoffs last year. What's your take on the changes that we've seen from both sides? Obviously, the Phillies getting hot again right when they need to. Yeah, pitching. Uh, I think Dave Dombrowski's done a remarkable job of, uh, A, you know, he changed managers. They needed a different voice in their dugout. Uh, Joe Girardi's a terrific baseball guy, but for whatever reason, his message wasn't resonating, and it goes hand-in-hand with having a better bullpen and having really good starting pitching. Uh, Last year, they put Ranger Suarez in the rotation. He took off. You know about Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola. Those two guys are going to pitch as well against the Cardinals. And Dabrowski went about and fixed his bullpen and did a great job in in doing that. And uh, some of the problems that we've seen with the Cardinals this year were similar problems the Phillies had. They'd have to win a game two or three times a game, and when they'd get to the sixth or seventh inning, it was a flip of the coin as to whether or not you would hold a lead. So I think the Phillies, in many ways, are a good blueprint for what the Cardinals hope to accomplish uh, in 2024 and beyond. And look, they're the reigning National League champions. It'll be a good uh, barometer and litmus test for the Cardinals to see how they stack up against them starting tonight. Chip, a couple of these younger pitchers uh, have done a pretty good job, Dakota Hudson, Zach Thompson, uh, in their starts. What are you seeing from them and going forward for the, for the 2024 season? The consistency, carry confidence, and they're throwing strikes. I mean, look, at the end of the day, uh, you can't walk people. I mean, it's, it's just, it's, it, I think we tend to overcomplicate the game. If you walk people, you're asking for trouble, and they haven't done that by and large. Uh, Hudson's uh, thrown that slider. It's been a lot more of an effective pitch for him. He's not just relying on ground balls. And he's been able to throw a lot more strikes and a lot more consistently than ever before in a Cardinal uniform, which is really, really exciting. And uh, these guys all have an opportunity. Zach Thompson, too, pitched pretty well against the Pirates. Uh, They know what uh, John Mosellock has said about the need for the Cardinals to acquire uh, more starting pitching and to acquire starting pitching depth in the organization. And if they want to stay... Uh, what they've been doing, I think, is a really good barometer and a good indicator of what's possible for them, uh, not just now, but going forward. 
Cardinal broadcaster Chip Carey with us on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. And Chip, there's an old adage, you've been around baseball all your life, and there's an old phrase that I've always adhered to, don't believe anything you see in March or September. And for this year's Cardinals, I've extended that to August and September because of the circumstances at play. That being said, I want to get your take on what you've seen in this first week of Richie Palacios. Oh, he's very exciting. He brings energy. He plays center field like he knows what he's doing out there. Uh, he swings the bat well from the left side. Obviously, he and his brother put on a show in Pittsburgh. And uh, his uh, emergence, if you will, allows the Cardinals to put Tommy Edmund at second base and gives the team a whole lot of range at second uh, and improve you know, a, a, an infield defense that should on paper be a lot better than it has been, at least in the early days of this season. So he's been a nice, uh, a nice addition. He and Mason win both. Young players bring energy. Young players bring excitement because you don't know what you're going to get. And I think the Cardinals have to be very pleased with what they've seen from Richie, both uh, in the field and at the plate. And that, that's what I, I was getting at is he's he, he's got a skill set. I don't know how if he's a 140-game player, but he can mm-hmm. run. He's, he hits the ball hard. He, we know he can go get it in center field. He's a valuable, it seems like, his skill set is a valuable skill set to have on a, on a team that can, has a chance to win. No question. Look, I don't know if he's going to be an everyday guy or not, but assuming he, let's assume he's not. But as a fourth or fifth outfielder, a guy that hits from the left side can uh, help you uh, double switch defensively, uh, who can pinch hit for you. Those are all very valuable things for any club, and certainly one like the Cardinals that are looking for those kinds of things going forward. So I'm really happy for him. He's a guy that's bounced around a bit, and to have the kind of series he did with mom and dad watching and mm-hmm. being interviewed by Jim Hayes was really mm-hmm. a cool thing. We're going to talk about this next in our next segment, but you've seen it this season with the Cardinals. What do you think it is that sometimes that, you know, where they're being outscored in the first inning, Randy has a stat here, 89 to 69 in the first inning this season. What do you think that that is with the Cardinals? I just think it's it's one of those crazy quirks of baseball. Uh, you know, Tom Glavin went to the Hall of Fame and gave up a ton of first inning runs, and his attitude was, well, if I'm going to have a bad, bad inning, I'd rather have it in the first so my team has eight or nine innings to come back and catch up. Uh, obviously, it's not ideal. But I think some of it is it takes these guys' times to ease into the game, which is never a good thing. Look, if you come in and attack and throw strikes, uh, you have a great, great chance of being successful. And uh, to our earlier question, that's exactly what some of these guys in the rotation and bullpen have been doing. Jojo Romero is another example in relief. He's not afraid of the moment. He comes in and throws strikes and dares the hitter to beat his best pitch. And more often than not, they're not able to do that. So whether it's giving the hitters too much respect or not having enough confidence in their pitches or the big moment or the third deck on the stadium, all of those things factor in. But the bottom line is if you throw strikes, it's a game of failure. You've got a 75% chance of getting the guy out. If you don't throw strikes, you have a 0% chance. So play the odds, throw strikes, and attack these guys and see what happens. Chip, we were talking about, you were talking about pitching that the Cardinals need. Uh, it made me think about Shohei Otani, who just got injured. You, uh, Steven Strasburg just retired. Is there a fear from, from so, some organizations of spending big money on pitchers because you just don't know what could happen? Yeah, well, I don't think you know what's going to happen with any player. Uh, look, Tyler O'Neill's been on the I.L. Lars Nukbar has been on the I.L. three times. Brendan Donovan, not a pitcher, uh, messed up his ligament in his elbow. He's been on the I.L. Tommy Edmond's been hurt. I mean, it's, it's just the nature of pro sports. Uh, unfortunately, the pitchers are volatile commodities. Personally, I think a lot of that comes from guys throwing max effort with every single pitch over five innings instead of uh, you know uh, keeping a couple of miles per hour in reserve when they need it in a big moment of the game. That's my my belief, I don't know that I have any data to back that up, but it does seem like we're seeing more and more arm injuries in today's game in the last 30, 40 years because of the 
uh, preponderance of velocity instead of the art of pitching. But that's how the game has changed, and I think it's just sort of uh, part of the recipe of the, the cake that's baked in. You have to accept that risk but hope for a bigger reward. And thankfully, with the improvements in medical technology and what uh, uh, Tommy John went through and, and uh, all the in- improvements in science and recovery and sports medicine, guys get hurt, but it's not uh, the death sentence for their careers, which if you're looking on a, for a bright silver lining, I guess that would be the only one. All right, Chip Carey, if you are on a walk this morning in Philadelphia, paint the picture for us. Who's on the walk with you, and w- what landmarks are you passing? I went on a 10-miler yesterday. Ooh. I went on a 10-miler yesterday. So today I'm a little bit cranky. Oh, and creepy, oh. so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk the mean streets of Philadelphia. I'm going to go get a coffee and uh, start my big league prep for the game. However, yesterday, walked by the Reading Terminal Market, walked past City Hall, walked across Broad Street, uh, went down the Schoolkill River and saw the uh, row houses where the, uh, the crew uh, boats are and past the art museum. Uh, Brian Shapiro, our producer, refused to get a picture with the Rocky statue because the line was too long. <laughs> so we saw the other tourists doing that and made our way back. But it's a, it's a cool, cloudy day here. Looks like we're going to have no problems with rain. A big storm passed through last night. And it uh, looks like uh, the nice weather is going to greet the Cardinals and Phillies at 7 o'clock. Well, Chip, we really do appreciate how much fun that you guys have, especially you and BT have really brought a lot of energy. And I'm glad that you guys escaped from the lantern bugs. That that oh, was scary. Yeah, we were, it was scary. I was worried I was going to be eaten alive by them. <laughs> we had a plan. We actually had a plan. Uh, you know, the salt guns, you know, that yeah. we used to shoot the bugs with. We were going to try to get those into the stadium, but we didn't think we'd get them past security. And if the game got bad, we were going to sit in the booth like six-gun shooters and, and fire away at the, at the bugs flying in front of the booth. But that didn't come to pass. And then our second plan was to have Jim Hayes have one of those electric fly spotters that looked like a tennis racket. Yeah. And not and not tell him that we put a battery in it, turn it on, and, and, and lick it and see what would happen. But that didn't happen. Oh. Maybe, maybe we'll do that this weekend. We don't know. You said you wanted to make it fun. Now that is fun. Yeah. It would certainly be unforgettably good to you. <laughs> Chip, have a great weekend in Philly. Thanks, okay, as guys. always, for the time. We appreciate right. it. And happy belated birthday, Randy. You don't look a day over 29. Thank you very much, Chip. I appreciate that. (laughs) All right, guys. See See you soon. That's our buddy Chip Carey on 101 ESPN. Oh, and look, props to him and BT and Jim the Cat Hayes because these games have not been the most fun, as we Mm -hmm. know, but I have enjoyed, especially when they're in Pittsburgh, following the saga with the lantern uh, bugs, if you guys didn't see that. It was very entertaining. They keep you intrigued. It's fun. Keep you tuned in, even if it's not great on the field. It is fantastic. Coming up, as Brooke mentioned, why do the Cardinals start and finish so poorly in games? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Sports is getting off to a fast start. Coaches, managers talk about it all the time. And that's one of the things that the Cardinals uh, have done about 50% of the time this year. They, they've scored first about 50% of the time. But they've been outscored in the first inning by a tally of 89 to 69. And we all thought that if the Cardinal pitching, I thought, let me put it, I, I won't say we all thought. I had questions about the pitching this year because of its health. But I thought if the pitching was healthy this year with Michaelis, Flaherty, Wayne Wright, who we tend to forget was injured at the beginning part of the season. Uh, Mats and uh, Michaelis, Mats, Montgomery. 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 I thought if that group was healthy, that they would pitch well. And 
I believe that one of the things that's happened in the Cardinals getting outscored by 30 runs in the first inning of games, in this is just my opinion because I watched Dave Duncan have real solid game plans for such a long time. I, I just question the game plan that the Cardinals have for their pitchers going in or if it's not the game plan, the execution of said game plan. But there has to be a reason that the Cardinals have allowed that many runs in the first inning of games. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just, you know, not dialed in the first inning of games, not I don't want to say not prepared because I would assume that you're you're ready to go, but teams are jumping on the Cardinals earlier early in in games, and I think at times for me when I'm watching that pitching, especially earlier in the season, it felt like people were trying to be too fine, mm-hmm. trying to pick their spots instead of attacking hitters. So now you're down 1-0 in the count, or you're down 2-0. And what does the hitter know? You got to throw me a strike, right? You don't have to. You can't waste another pitch outside of the zone because if you do, now I'm three zero, and you're 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 probably going to walk me. So. I felt like at times they were just being too fine, not attacking batters really uh, on the defensive instead of on the offensive at times when they were on the mound. And I think that's the big key there is attacking and setting the tone early on. It just felt with the Cardinals this season, they weren't aggressive at the start. And then you're playing from behind. And what were some of the results that we saw so many times this season? is that they weren't able to claw their way yeah. back. And there was times that they were able to, but it was more times than not where you saw in the offense then starting to press too much because they're already behind, because they, they it was already like four runs by the time that you even get to, to the hitters. And that's where I think that that whole kind of just mindset just really started to sink in with the Cardinals, where it's just like, man, we're, we're always playing from behind. We're always having to find a way to claw back. And that's hard to really get guys going that, mi- that many times throughout the season, and I do think that it could be looked at as a preparation thing. And as bad as the Cardinals are, they're 16 games under 500 this year. They're 20 games over 500 when they score first. 42 and 22 when they score first, and when the opponent scores first, they're 13 and 50. That goes to you guys talking about getting behind and not being able to claw back into games. There's got to be a better way when you've played as many games as the Cardinals have, they have 34 games left, and they've allowed 89 first-inning runs. And you'd also hope that, and let's just throw out this, anything after August 1st, throw that out the window. But even before then, the Cardinals were really struggling in that aspect of the game, and they need to get off to a better start. Now, the best way to do that is to be able to pitch. And here's another thing. The manager... And the analytics people, they don't like bunting. But when <laughs> yeah. you, you have, do that? That's you're, you're, it's allowed. Okay. Mm-hmm. So here's I the thing. Seen it. And this is maybe a philosophical aspect that the Cardinals should look at for 2024. When Mason Wynn is your leadoff hitter. And if you have a logical lineup where Wynn is hitting first and Newt Bar is hitting second and Goldschmidt is hitting third. And if you have Gorman, he's hitting fourth. If not, Arnado's hitting fourth and Contreras fifth. But... If you can set the table with a runner in scoring position early on, and I know the Cardinals haven't been great in scoring position, but they're right around league average, 251 with runners in scoring position. If you can set it up so that you can score a run in the first, just take a look at those numbers right there. There is something to be said for Wynn taking a walk, getting on base. He gets on base about 36% of the time. Newt Bar bunting him over, and then Goldschmidt and Arenado having a chance to drive him home. You get the first inning run, you get the lead, and again, I'll repeat 
The Cardinals, when they score first this year, 42-22. and 22. When the opponent scores first, 13-50. and 50. So come up with a game plan pitching-wise for the first inning, and then use the old Jim Leland with the Pirates plan. Leadoff hitter gets on, that was Barry Bonds. Jay Bell would bunt him over, and then Van Slyke or Bonilla would drive him home, and they went to the playoffs three straight years. And I feel like you need those guys that kind of have that pulse. How many times have we talked about this season where it kind of has felt like that energy is lacking a little bit? And maybe that's because the hitters, we get so frustrated, the fact that they're having to claw their way back in so many games. But you also kind of have have to have a little bit of that swag that, you know, want to that fight back in order to do that, which it seems that they were lacking. Because even we talked about yesterday, the Cardinals woes with bases loaded. And you heard Graham, uh, Greg Amsinger talk about how you need guys who are like foaming at the yeah, mouth yeah. for those opportunities and it doesn't surprise me that you see the woes with the bases loaded struggling in one run games because you kind of need that ability that energy that want to that pushback just some sign of life and then you have this situation where it kind of takes them a little bit in the first inning I think that that really shows that that's a chemistry and mindset issue that you're seeing with the Cardinals this season that hopefully can be addressed but that seems to be a grander issue I, I, yeah, I, I think that it, it is a – there are many issues that are taking place on this team. And, mm-hmm. and we thought, you know, with the rules changes, the Cardinals would be one of the teams that would have great success from You thought you would see more stolen bases from the Cardinals. We are 23rd in the majors in stolen bases as a team. It's not something that they have taken advantage of. They've had opportunities. It's just, just not something that you see them doing. You don't see them doing – the small ball things yeah. that can help you win games. And it's not something you have to do all of the time. But there is a time and place to steal a base. There is a time and place for a hit and run. There is a time and place to sacrifice a runner over so that you can get him into scoring position. It's It can't be and it shouldn't be all about driving the ball into the outfield launch angle because you're not always going to get that runner over into scoring position. You have to be able, as a team, as a manager, as a coaching staff, as a front office, you have to be a team that decides to do the little things effectively enough over and over and over again to win games, and they haven't been. Fundamentals, right? Yes. You just have that as a natural part of your DNA. Have that as a natural part of your team's DNA, and you'll, you're going to be much, much better. You're going to have a much better record than the Cardinals' record is at the moment. How many times do you think they've hit and run this season? Because I, I – a handful? A handful, it yeah. It doesn't feel like many. It, it doesn't whatsoever. feel like Maybe 10 or. And then you hear the announcers, well, you don't want to distract the hitter. People have been hitting, hitting and running for hundreds of years yeah. in baseball, haven't yeah. they? Or am, I, you know, am I mistaken? I, 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 love the fact, <laughs> I love the fact that people say that, but I watched a team steal 314 bases and nobody was bothered. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's amazing. And somebody just texted him from the 314. Who on the team has stolen base speed? This team isn't built that way. Yes, they are. Because Paul, I'm going to guess, actually Paul Goldschmidt is pretty high up there if you have the stats up, CD. Uh, uh, I don't he's a great percentage base stealer. But he, Tommy he Edmund is fast. Yep. Mason Wynn is fast, which I know that he just came up. So Jordan maybe you Walker take him fast. out. Jordan Walker is fast. When Newbar is healthy. Yes, he is fast. Tyler O'Neal went healthy yep. and not loafing it, maybe, as mm-hmm. Ollie felt like yeah. earlier this season. Yeah. He is very fast. There are several Tommy guys. Tommy has 17 stolen bases. Yeah. Paul Goldschmidt is second. That's what 10. I thought. Okay. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah. a ton of athleticism on this team. There's no excuse for them to not utilize that athleticism. No. 
No, not at all. And, and so that's where I, I hope that now that you saw that they're kind of falling behind in the trend with pitching philosophy, now that they're focusing and they say that they're going to look for more swing and miss stuff, I hope that they don't fall behind the trend of what you're seeing with these new rules changes and the teams who are taking advantage of it. You should be doing the same and not behind the ball on that. And one other quick note we need to point out. The Cardinals, in addition to being outscored 89-69 in the first inning, in the seventh, eighth, and ninth innings this year, they've been outscored 200 to 172. And one of our guests, maybe yesterday, talked about completely rebuilding the bullpen, and the Cardinals are going to have to do that. They've been outscored in the seventh inning, 89-54. to Then they've actually come back and led uh, in the eighth inning, 70-57, to but they've been outscored 54-48 in the ninth. So the bullpen needs a back-end guy, and uh, it's not going to be Jojo Romero, and they need some people to bridge that fifth to ninth inning, some better people to, to bridge that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a problem. So you have to address your starting rotation and retool or bring in some new pieces for the bullpen this season. Because when we were talking about the Phillies, their bullpen, it seems like they're sound on so many different things. You're having your offense get hot at the right time. That's what's making the Phillies so successful. The pitching staff has to be addressed this season, and hopefully it will. The bullpen, though, this season, I feel like... <laughs> Where do you go from here with them? Um, kick a puppy? No. I don't know. I don't know. That That's what Brad Thompson would say. <laughs> that didn't work out for him. No, that well. did not. That no, uh, there, it's easy to rebuild a bullpen. They should have no problem smartly rebuilding a bullpen. They've done that before really well, and, and they can do it. it and, and it's not even that expensive if you just scout correctly. Mm-hmm. That's Brooke. That's Carrie. Carrie is shocked by what I just said. I, I am. I'm appalled. Well, you said it's not that hard. Well, why the hell hasn't been done yet? Well, not this year. But it's remember they completely last two times they won the World Series. They completely turned over the bullpen in the last month to win the 2006 World Series, and they completely turned over the bullpen at the trade deadline in the Colby Rasmus trade to win the 2011 World Series. They did it in season, so it can be done. We are going to talk some. St. Louis City SC, they play Orlando City SC tomorrow, and Devin Kerr from Apple TV is going to join us next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. I want to rock! And roll. Let's rock. Let's rock today. St. Louis City SC is at Orlando City tomorrow night, 6.30 St. Louis time. You can see that game on Apple TV. And Devin Kerr will be on the call joining us now on the Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. Devin with Brooke Grimsley and Kerry Davis. This is Randy Carricker. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. How are you doing? I appreciate you having me. I'm good. I'm sitting in my car deciding at what point in time I'm going to get on the road and drive across the state of Florida to get to said game should be a great one, though. Very exciting stuff. Uh, what sort of challenges does Orlando City present for St. Louis City? Well, to me, the, one of the biggest things about Orlando City is you're probably looking at the most balanced team in terms of their performances, both home and away. They, they just seem – their style travels, and yet – other teams are better on the road than they are at home. You can look at a team like Real Salt Lake. You guys have obviously seen what that looks like. And then there are plenty of teams that are obviously good at home. Orlando just kind of cruises along. And the depth that they've been able to acquire over the past 18 months has been very impressive. So to give you an idea, what you're facing in the opening 30 minutes is going to look really similar 
to the final 15. They have the second most goals and assists off the bench in MLS. The squad is more complete. The depth is there. And Oscar Pereja has done a really good job of just making sure that no matter what look you're getting, it's the same thing over and over again. They like to maintain possession. They can catch you on the counter. They'll high-press you. They'll sit deep. They give you a little bit of everything. Well, speaking of depth, the right now City SC is possibly getting to full strength with a little over 10 games left for them in this season. So you have some new faces arriving and then you have some old faces getting healthy. Zhao Klaus is one. Of course, a lot of City, S- City SC fans have been getting excited about seeing again. What do you think about his return? And it seems like he will be available off the bench in this game. The most important thing to me about his presence in general hasn't necessarily been about his return, for sure. Let's be really, really clear. You want Joe Klaus back, of course. Like, five goals and four assists for the first nine matches, got that team flying. But part of me wonders if you wouldn't have gotten the best out of someone like Nico Joachini if he hadn't gotten hurt. Now, you don't want to wish injury upon anyone, but I was talking to Nico yesterday, and I, I asked him about that. I said, listen, it's really easy to say what are your influences around the world and those kind of strikers, but a guy like, you know, Erling Holland at Manchester City, one of the greatest strikers in the world, you don't get to train with him every single day. So who are your influences? And he said, Jao Klaus. And he said that even through his injury, he has been ever-present. And the ability to pick his brain and to push Nico to another level. Nines are a different breed. You know, they call it the goalkeeper union, and those guys all stick together. A lot of nines are kind of, they're selfish. And there's ambition in there for sure. You want that. They're streaky. And they kind of stick to themselves at times because of that selfish nature. And that's not the case. So you've gotten a career year out of Nico Joachini in 10 goals. And he feels like he hasn't even touched what his capability is. And now you've got your nine that you wanted all season long who started well. They've gotten him fit. They didn't push him to get that pairing back once again. Sure, it's great to have the nine, and that's important, but it's it's the pairing in general because of the development you've seen of Joe Keeney over the course of the season. Now, Devin, you're uh, headed over to Orlando. There's a guy in South Florida. I don't know if you heard about him. He's buzzing. MLS is buzzing about him. He goes by one name. I believe it's Messi, a pretty good player. Yeah. What, what have you heard about him, and, and how good is he for this league right now? Well, let's be really clear. In the footballing world, anytime you're called by one name, you've done something right, right? So, so, so let's get that out of the way. Look, I just called the semifinal Open Cup game between um, FC Cincinnati and Miami, and I, and I witnessed it firsthand. I did it for U.S. soccer. It was the first time that in the Messi era, with him starting on the field, that they looked bad. They didn't look like the aggressor. They were a poor team all night long. They went down 2 nothing. They probably could have been down 4 or 5 nil. And yet it's the messy factor. He produces two individual moments of brilliance in the final 15 minutes. We go to overtime, and then the team wins. He's incredible, man, and it's really, really cool. I actually I got a haircut this morning, and my barber said to me, do you notice a change? And I certainly do, but... You know, that change, to be fair, look, yeah, it's messy, absolutely. But the understanding of the league in general, there's just a knowledge base that was there even prior to his arrival, but this just intensifies it. So someone before was going, oh, yeah, you know, if you're a South Florida fan, oh, there's, there's Inter-Miami team, you know, can, I, can you give me tickets? I don't want to go check the game out. Or, you know, I'm going to Orlando. I got friends that live there. love the Lions. You know, how are they doing this season? But especially, it's gone a step further now. With the step of Messi, it's wow, you know, Inter Miami and they're on their they're on their League's Cup title run and they just made it to the Open Cup final. That conversation 
did not occur on a regular basis in any area of the world, but especially where this team is located two or three years ago. So the depth of knowledge is there. People want to learn about the game. And it kind of actually reminds me a little bit about Joe Namath back in the late 60s when he came out of Alabama and went to the New York Jets. It became a social outing. People want to be seen. They want to enjoy it. Now that's going to start to replicate itself even further as we've seen it around MLS, and it's really cool to witness it and certainly pretty fun to be a part of. All right, final thing for Devin Kerr, who's going to be doing St. Louis City SC in Orlando City tomorrow. As you're driving along I-4 in Florida and you're going 80 miles an hour today, is that slow? <laughs> well, this, if this is documented and I admit to it, then I can be I can be prosecuted in the court of law. Come on, man. No, I just wonder if you're getting passed by a lot of cars. If you're only going 80 in Florida on a highway, are you getting passed by a lot of vehicles? If you're on I-4, there's a chance you're getting passed. If you're in South Florida on 95, you are going Mach 1 with your hair on fire because <laughs> let, let's get this clear. South Florida and the northern Florida or central Florida – that's like different countries, honestly. It's crazy. <laughs> All right. Hey, Devin, we'll be tuned in tomorrow. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Let's talk again as the season rolls on. You all are great. Best of luck. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you. Devin Kerr, he'll be calling City SC against Orlando City tomorrow night on Apple. Hey, 101 ESPN is your chance to win a pair of lawn tickets to see Shine Down with special guest <laughs> Papa Roach Shine next Sunday night, night, September 3rd, night before Labor Day at Hollywood Casino Amphitheater. And you can also find a bonus chance to win free tickets for the show right now on the 101 ESPN mobile app. And get all the details about the concert at 101ESPN.com. But text in now to score free tickets to Shine Down now at 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO! Okay, Matthew, what question do we have? Well, earlier in the 8 o'clock hour, we talked about all the Cardinals who are succeeding away from the uh, St. Louis, and maybe one who isn't. Uh, Five of those players are pitchers. Who is the only pitcher that the Cardinals traded away to have multiple wins for his new team? Who is the only pitcher that the Cardinals traded away that has multiple major league wins for for his new team? Texter number 47. That's a good one. We'll get the tickets <laughs> to shine down. I feel like there number? might be a meaning behind just, that. You know, just felt that felt the could have been 46, 48, but forty seven yeah, felt right. Forty seven. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And but and as we're waiting for our our listeners and and our winner to get in on the text line, I have a quick question for you guys. You just heard Devin break down the matchup between Orlando City and St. Louis City. It shocks me. City not great away, five one and five, but Orlando City not good at home, five four and Wait. three. Five one and five. Five wins, one loss, five draws. Right? No. Uh, no. It's no, uh, what different. are you talking it's about? One, right? It's one draw and five losses. That's not. That's yeah. Right. Sorry, buddy. Okay. And so they have to show the home team first when, they, when, the, when the table comes out. The, yes, it's, yeah, it's weird. You uh, gotta the, make sure you explain that. I, I, I was five wins, though. one draw, five oh, losses. Okay. Uh, Whereas okay. Orlando City has five wins, four draws, and three losses mm. at home. Mm. Right now, you go to mm. FanDuel Sports uh, Book. You can get City plus three twenty to win this match. I know they're not good away, but I think that's a fantastic bet right now. Good value. Yeah. I mean, go plus three twenty. Yeah. All day, every day. No doubt about it. Also, I, 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 I was writing down a couple other betting lines I wanted to ask you guys about really quickly. Gary, Randy, Brooke, I need some NFL advice. I need to put down a futures bet for the Super Bowl. The top Steelers. five teams, oh, Chiefs, gosh. Eagles, Bills, Bengals. Chiefs plus 600, Eagles plus 800, Bills plus 900, Bengals and 49ers plus 1,000. Who's the bet? 49ers. Uh, Bengals. <sighs> I want to go with the Eagles. I just want to do something a little bit different. You like this book? I already have money on that one. (laughs) You do? do, Okay, all right. Championship game. Uh, I I like that. 
Unfortunately, I don't. Unfortunately, but here's here's the if thing. That, if that happens, I'm going. You still, don't have don't it up. You worry. <laughs> <laughs> um, there, there's going to be a surprise team that comes out of all of this. Nah. Maybe we'll see what the Jaguars. best uh, futures are for the surprise teams next week, Randy. Okay, we'll do the surprise teams next week. Uh, Michelle Smallman's going to be in doing the fast lane this afternoon, noon from two to six. So you'll want to tune in for that. We've got a balloon party. T Mac is going to be uh, here at this microphone coming up in just a few minutes. I assume he is. Uh, <laughs> I hope it's not me. I really hope it's not me. <laughs> yeah. I hope he shows up or else it's just going to be me in the studio. Yeah. Right. See, this no is why we have to it. exit the room yep. quickly yeah. after we're done with the show. Just <laughs> in, case, in case it is us, yeah. we're already gone. Tap on your show at 9.30. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly yeah, right. And then we'll hour. have uh, BK and Ferrario from... Uh, 11 to 2, and then the fast lane from 2 to 6. And, uh, yeah, Michelle will be here. And then on September 5th, she's starting mornings on one oh, uh, mm-hmm. on ESPN Radio, 5 to 7 here on 101 ESPN. Thank you to our producer, audio engineer, Matthew Rocchio. Thank you, sir. Pleasure. Uh, Brooke, this was a great, fun week. It are you going to support local this week, or are you going to go to Target? <laughs> I always support local. There's a there's a <laughs> lot going on this week, and we have the Bomberito Automotive Group 500. Mm, awesome. We have the Festival of Nations, and we have the Evolution Fest. So I'm going to yeah. try to go to as many things as possible. All local things. Oh, yeah. Moonlight Ramble tomorrow night, too. I'll be riding in the Moonlight Ramble. Yes. So that, that's one of the great events. So good. Have fun. Yes. <laughs> and you've got a game tomorrow night, see? We do have a game. My first game of the year uh, versus Luther North. Go Hawks. What's your face? We want to see your face. Who said that? You want to see my face? Okay. <laughs> you want to see my face? <laughs> we'll see your tomorrow face tomorrow. Night. Thank you. Appreciate it. Okay. Yes. And I... I I know how it carries. I'm not. I'm not even going to say what I was going to say. I'm what just. Are you gonna I, say? I'm going to be nice. Do it. Do I, it. Really? Yeah. Are you going to run it up? Oh. <laughs> oh. oh. Both teams played hard, man. We're just going to play hard, man. That's all I can say. For all Best of luck. Yeah. For all of us until Monday morning at seven. Have a great weekend, St. Louis. That's right. <laughs> You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.